Hi, this is Joe Russo. Uh, this is Steve McFeely. Okay, hold on. And this is Chris Marcus. And this is Anthony Russo. And that is Ava Russo, holding the bow right there. That's my daughter. Uh, I was very happy that she's the first person on screen in Avengers Endgame with Jeremy Renner. Now, this scene uh, was supposed to be in Avengers Infinity War. Uh, after Thanos snapped his fingers, uh, we thought it might be interesting to cut to a verite scene between Hawkeye and his family. I believe we tried it in one cut of the film, Anth, and yep. looked at it and went, oh, that's never going to work. It's too disorienting. Well, it's busy. Yeah. 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 In that movie, not to do a commentary for a different movie, right? but in that movie, that ends with people be disappearing on a planet in space, and, yeah. and there in Wakanda, and you added a third place. You know. Right, we're already cutting it, between a lot of people at that also, point in the film. But it also works so well to restate the uh, the finality of what happened in Infinity War when you put it at the beginning of Endgame. So. I think so. I mean, it brings it brings you back emotionally very quickly. There's a year between these films, and this movie helps to reset the the you know, re remind the audience of what happened in that movie mm. and, and how you felt at the end of that film, but through a brand new perspective. Right. For us. We didn't see yeah. Clint at all in Infinity War. Here we have him, and he is hit hard. Yeah, we're not pulling any punches that. at the opening of the film. This is this is basically like a, a scene from a horror film that, uh, that opens the movie. Um, it also sort of draws people in. I mean, presumably everyone who goes to this movie, by and large, saw the previous movie. So this is one of those instances where the entire audience is ahead of the character and yeah. filled with dread. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Which is an unusual move. Usually yeah. we never let the audience be no, out of the character. No, this is playing for suspense and not surprise. You know? Yeah. Now this song was resonant for a lot of reasons. We felt like it was correct tonally, but we also thought that the lyrics were appropriate for Marvel and what it's done mm. and the expectations from, uh, you know, giant uh, pop culture films. Yeah. This being the climactic movie of the, the 22 movie run, it was nice to comment on our experience of these movies. You don't need to do that. Did you have a different thought about needle drops in this as opposed to the score? I, I don't think in Infinity War, other than maybe a Guardians beat, That's a goal. you know, that they're needle drops. We did like the fact that it made things feel different, especially at that point in the movie. You know, it was an unusual choice. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the way that stood in contrast to Infinity War was important again because we were, we were trying to let people know right away that this is this is a different story, told from a different point of view in a different tone. Yeah, uh, and so that does distinguish it right off the bat. Here's Hamlet's. Yeah, that's right. This is you notice. You know, I I bang on about how scenes have to do more than one thing. This is going to catch you up to time and place. This is also going to um, establish. Again, spoilers, I assume you're only watching this because you've seen the movie. The device by which Tony is going to deliver his own eulogy. So it doesn't come out of nowhere. It starts the movie and it ends the movie. Hang on. And here's Robert. Um, uh, our VFX team did an exceptional job of uh, taking some weight off of him and making him look like he is on death's door. And the intent here was to make you believe, if momentarily, that we may actually 21? 
kill Tony Stark at the start of the film. Uh, we wanted to, uh, we, you'll notice that we draw out the moment where he lays down on the ground and, um, and it seems to let go as a way to practical uh, create a sense of tension before introducing Captain Marvel as the savior. I would give a shout out here to our production designer, Charlie Wood. Uh, I think like that set in there is a big testament to like the level of detail yeah. that he uh, provides to the production and just the fact that we can tear apart the ship mm -hmm. as Tony and Nebula work on it, you know, is pretty thrilling and, and not easy to achieve. Yeah. And that'll be it. The heavy lift between both movies by Charlie was yeah, ridiculous. Exceptional. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine production designing these two movies back to back? I mean, yeah, we, the amount of work is staggering. We all had a tall order, but Charlie certainly had, perhaps had the tallest. Well, you know what I'm saying. Let's talk about uh, Tony in this film and Tony's arc in this movie. What is most compelling uh, for uh, all of us storytellers, I think, is making characters travel the greatest distance. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you look at where Tony started in the Marvel Universe uh, as a egotistical, self-involved character, uh, by the end of this film, he is uh, selfless. And this movie, I think, is a large part of his journey. And um, it will complicate uh, the, uh, you know, bring to the forefront the essential conflict of who he is as a hero. It, it tests him dramatically. He yeah. certainly has, has been taking nibbles at being a more selfless character all along the way. I mean, you know, certainly in Avengers, he was going to die by, you know, sending a, a nuke into space. Right. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, by the time he gets to Civil War, he is certainly trying to take things out of his own hands. Put his suit of armor around the world. Yeah. Right? Uh, but, by the time he gets here, has a family to lose, the sacrifice becomes uh, pretty dramatic. Yeah. Well, I think in this movie, given the five-year jump, he finally, he finally knows what he's missing and gets it, and then gains resolution with the, his father. You know, he's he's doing the right thing in the other movies, but he's not a complete person. And by the time he gets to the third act of this movie, he is whole and can then die. Yeah, that's not to jump too far, but that's that's part of what the five years does is it allows all those characters to to get really close to being quote unquote complete people, you know, ending their arcs. And now here's that moment uh, we draw out with the intention of trying to increase tension. Uh, and then gently you'll notice the light changes on his face and the audience's anticipation, I think, rises, uh, hopefully, um, as we reveal Captain Marvel. And this is essentially the, uh, the sort of B-side to the tag from Captain Marvel, where she comes back. And the, and the Captain Marvel tag is the B-side to the tag from Infinity War. So it's press, oh, right. press the beeper. That's right. She responds to the beeper, and this is what she does in response to finding out what happened on Earth. So the, the missing narrative, of course, is that she came to Earth, met the Avengers, right. uh, was brought up to speed on uh, what was happening, and that there's some sort of homing beacon on that ship that she tracks and 
brings the two of them back to Earth. Pour one out for Cap's beard here. Yep. Oh, can I ask this while I'm just watching that? You had various cuts where you didn't reveal Carol until here. That is correct, yeah, and we sure. felt like it was not as successful a reveal. Yeah, we just didn't like it the. Just, it, it didn't again like sometimes the transition. these movies, yeah. you know, because of the vast number of characters in these movies, sometimes things can feel a little confusing if you go too far down the yeah, road right. without sort of, you know. If it's uh, not to be confusing, but the idea would be that there'd be orange light on Tony's face, he'd see something, the audience wouldn't see it, and then, and then only would you reveal she would what happened. Come around the corner. Now, mm. we didn't shoot a close-up of her bringing that ship in, which yeah, is right, probably exactly. what would That's be required in order to skip that. Yeah. And now, there's the continuing story between uh, is, Cap and Tony. It's the first time, time that they've seen each since, other. Yeah, yeah since, since the end, end of the Civil, Civil War. War. Neither could I. And with what we found fascinating about the opening of this movie, or that we, I think we were all excited about, was we lost. really examining how these heroes dealt with loss oh and pain. Uh, and again, just trying to um, understand who they are as humans and examine their flaws. Uh, and this is, this is an amazing scene for Robert. I think this is one of his, his best scenes in, in any of the Marvel films. Uh, but he's, World government's he's clearly pieces. feeling an incredible amount of guilt. He's probably drugged up here. Looks like he did. Right. And he can't hold back on Cap. You'll note that everyone, if you examine this scene, pretty much everyone is on point uh, in terms of their arc going forward, right? Natasha was going to remain the woman on the wall. She, all of her lines here are basically about, we got to do something. We can't let this stand. Steve's very similar. Uh, Robert's, uh, sorry, Tony's, you know, close to giving up here. This is, uh, you know, he, he takes that loss as, as sort of the loss, not that there's another chance at it. Captain Marvel is... All business. Well, he's a futurist, and he's yeah. exceedingly logical, Tony. And I think, without the the potential um, solve that that Scott Lang brings by coming out of the uh, uh, the quantum realm, I think Tony correctly sees that there is no way to solve this. Mm. Right. And Cap's essentially proposing to do what Tony did in the last movie, which is take the fight to Thanos, go out into space. He did it. He failed. Yeah, which Tony realizes would be suicide. Yeah. To your point, Steve, even even I like even Banner is lying here is just exactly where right. he goes in the film, which is like we wait, we can't go back at it with what we, we just already tried. That's right. That's right. We gotta do something different. Right. Yeah. And Thor's, you know, halfway to being depressed here, particularly in the next scene. Yeah. Where he's, where he's chopping already drinking a, a beer and eating carbs. Too. Yeah. You notice yeah. Hemsworth wanted to eat something in this scene. Yeah. Well, that's not that. There are two scenes that yeah. take place in this room. It's a scene prior to that. That's what we need. The, um, I said we'd lose. You said we'll do that. The moment here is one of my favorite acting moments in the movie. We lost. And you weren't there. And he calls him liar. Our best work after the fact. What yeah. are you, Avengers? Yeah. We're the Avengers. You not the Again, this is their essential right? conflict. Okay. And Tony no, can't get past sit, it. Sit down. That's the other thing that I think five years helps with is that, you know, sometimes healing 
takes years. Captain Marvel is a, is an interesting um, addition to the situation because uh, she's so powerful that um, you know, she adds a, a potential opportunity for them. You know, so what what Tony didn't see as a as a solution, uh, Cap potentially does coming up here. Uh, and he gets on board with her plan to take the flight to him. And it should be noted, it's probably people might know this already, that that's, this is basically Brie Larson's first or second day. I think that, the, that might have been her first, yeah. yeah. That might have been her first day there, if I remember correctly, uh, that scene. So the, we shot this before Captain Marvel was shot. I know people who might. Don't bother. And this, this is, you know, we, when we sit down in the room, we talk through storytelling. We try to just play logic games with the narrative. All right, what would you do? What would you do if you were these heroes and Thanos destroyed half of life in the universe? Uh, how do you process it? You can't give up. You're a hero. Even if that means potential certain death. Uh, you've got a very powerful addition in Captain Marvel. And so what's, what's fun about this for us is that we are setting it up to play as if it's going to be uh, an action-adventure movie. The Avengers chasing Thanos through space, trying to retrieve the gauntlet from him. Right, let's go get this son of a bitch could not be more of a 80s, 90s <laughs> trailer moment. Misdirect. Yeah, about exactly. Doesn't work. You know, uh, that, uh, you know, sort of trying to lead you to the, uh, to, to that belief again, that this, the film is going to go on a certain track. Right. And then we completely derail it in 10 minutes. But to your point earlier, Steve, about the lines in the, in this scene, like, I mean, one thing that's always amazed me about the work that you and Chris do is like how you're able to in these movies as we've gotten larger and larger ensembles, like always being true to everybody's voice and mm -hmm. finding a way for everybody's voice to sort of ring true and matter and and uh, and cut through the sort of complexity of the story. I mean, it's amazing. You should be, in a good script, you should be able to pick out a line, not tell me who said it, but I should be able to guess who said it yeah. based on yeah, and if, if you find yourself having a character say something that anybody in the room could have said, then it's it's time to go back to the drawing board and figure that out again. Yeah. So here the mission begins. Mm -hmm. One of our favorite shots in the film. Steve Rogers going yeah, to space for the first time. It says a lot yeah. with very little. It's nice. It's interesting seeing the Avengers with Captain Marvel. I think that, you know, she she dimensionalizes them in a really great way, just from a pure power standpoint and what her abilities are. She makes them feel like children. 
Well, that's what I was going to ask. What do you mean by that? Like, they all take a back seat? They feel... No, I just think it's like, you know, if you're, you're talking about a collection of heroes and you're going to go face Thanos, who still, we believe at this point, has the gauntlet, you know, she is as powerful, if not more powerful than four, and you suddenly have hope again. It's just him. Yeah. Because they all know what happened at the end of the last movie. Right. You walk through them like they were paper. Right. Well, yeah, that's so let's sort of t talk big picture here. You put yourselves in our positions like they're heading after a foe who has the ultimate weapon, a comically powerful weapon. Yeah. It allows him to do anything, see anything, uh, you know, if control the we, universe. We don't even know the extent, the extent of, of it, right? Exactly. So he is basically omniscient and right. omnipotent. And who beat them down silly. And he's already done it once, right? In the last movie. So how do you, what is a two hour movie where you're playing cat and mouse with that guy or trying to get him or punch him in the face or steal stones from him? Like anything he does, even in the comics, which are lovely, you know, he just sort of decides to tie one hand up behind his back. You know, mm -hmm. that's how it's right. solved there. So at one point in the room, we were really getting real frustrated. Like, how do, what is the story here? And I think Trin Tran, our executive producer, just said, God, I really wish we could just kill him. <laughs> and we all went, wait a second, what did, could you? What does that mean? And it sent us down this whole road, you know, mm -hmm. where, where we solved the issue in the first, what, 12 minutes? I don't know when this happens. Yeah, um, very, uh, very quickly. But, you know, what's great about it is it, it allows for a very different kind of that's movie the thing. to run yeah. through. That's the thing. And effectively. Yeah. You know, one that's reflective and pensive and, um, you know, and character oriented rather than uh, plot oriented. Right. And they only accomplish what Thanos lets them accomplish. That's right. He has, that's why it makes he sense. He has finished his job and he lets them kill him. There's a little bit of a uh, an equation where you know once you introduce a villain plot, it doesn't allow for and, and, and the heroes become aware of it. It does not allow for a lot of character moments. Right. So what's great about what happens here is he disappears for a long time. Yeah, he's the mid. His reintroduction is the midpoint. So he gets uh, killed here. This is basically halfway through Act One, um, and. And <laughs> the Avengers are going to roll around in grief, yeah. you know. Yeah, and uh, which is great because we, the, the, the you know, the point of this film is to bring to close those characters. We need to be re-reminded of who they are and what they believe in and what their uh, their emotional needs are. And we wanted to restate the finality of what happened in Infinity War, right? Which is not this. There is no get out of jail free card. This isn't going to be. You know, oh, did we not show you our hands were crossed behind our back? Right. Nope, we're cutting off heads. Right. And this is where uh, what did you do? we understand the uh, the pain oh, that right. Thor is feeling. Clearly as he uh, he takes it out on Thanos. I, I love how empty that is. It, it, just, I was just saying it, it, it is, but it's... It gets a laugh every time I'm in the theater. It or like a nervous me. shock, yeah. right? Like, People laugh at yay, that. Yay, they I'm did so this. shocked by that. But I think the Sylvester score and the long, slow walk here make you, oh, crap. Yeah, this is, 
we got nothing now. Yeah. Yeah. Where's this movie going? I think it is. I always love I think Cap's it, reaction to, to this here. is so amazing what Evans did. I think it might be nervous laughter because it's subverting hmm. expectations. I think it totally about, is nervous laughter. Yeah, what yeah. story are you going to follow now? I think some Where people the hell is this are movie delighted to see Thanos' head chopped off. Well, that yeah. they are. <laughs> also true. And then these three words do seem to set them back a bit. Yeah. Well, we wanted them to be resonance, the reason that they come on so slowly. Mm-hmm. As sort of a, uh, oh, I can't believe they're actually doing this. Mm-hmm. As each word pops on, uh, you'll notice that from a, a color timing standpoint, we've altered the mood and the tone of the movie for, I think, probably the next 20 minutes or so. You mean it's cooler? It's cooler. It's a li- It's drained a lot of life. It's, um, so I, uh, you know, we, we went with sure a, you know, sort of fluorescent mm-hmm. green in this room. Everything feels a little it's off yeah. and painful. Right. I, I didn't even know what to talk about. And I love that we come back to this very did you talk about? human yeah, recovery changed. moment where it's not My superheroes plotting. It's how much we miss the mess. You know, people just trying to get through another day after this has happened. Well, I think you can count on one hand in both movies the, po- the times where we we exit you? the point of view of. Our heroes, yeah, you know, show regular people. <laughs> we show regular people. Yeah. yeah, I remember us talking about this. You know, it's it's like yeah, if you're gonna have a story point where you kill half of all living things, you have to go beyond the heroes for right. and seeing every person's point of, point of view of it and how it affected the world. And that's it. And that was the intention with the scene was to just show you that everyone is in pain. And how would you recover from this staggering event? I went in the ice. And I think this is some of the best acting Evans has done. Evans. Yeah, yeah. He's a lovely moment. He's very settled and internal in the scene. And it's, he's feeling the exact opposite of what he's saying. That's another great moment. Yeah, yeah. Right there, you see it in his eyes. Yeah. It's hard to get Captain America to that kind of a moment. Yeah. World is so again, it's setting the, it's setting the, the stakes of the world. This is where we are now. It's also just on a writing level, it's tagging um, Peggy Carter for now the second time. Yep. So uh, preparing you for Cap's arc in the, over the course of the movie. Talk about it. That's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is, uh, otherwise Thanos might as well have killed all of us. Mm-hmm. I love that line. And now, shortly, you're about to be introduced to the hero of mm-hmm. the entire film. Right. The entire the Marvel Universe. of the universe. The, the hero of the Infinity Saga. This rat. Now, we have a rule in writing that, you know, sort of coincidences or you, you sort of allowed them in act one. <laughs> it's it, uh, coincidence late in the movie is is perhaps lazy. I'm delighted that a rat has saved the universe, but yes. it absolutely is, you know, a coincidence. And, well, when, when things like this happen, often rats are all that's left. And arguably it's one in 14 million chances. I was say, there are 14 million. <laughs> Uh, and have you versions seen... of the story where the rat did not That's right. step yeah. on that button. That's right. And have you seen the last of that rat? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> But here we have Scott Lang. Now, what's what's wonderful uh, at times in in Infinity War and Endgame is taking characters, even in Civil War, who present in different tones oh. in their own franchises and pulling them into this tone. Mm-hmm. And. Paul Rudd's ability to make you care about him and feel vulnerable is exceptional. And I think watching what ha- what's happened to the world through his eyes 
makes it even more painful for, for us viewers. And truly, for me, one of the saddest moments in the film, and there are a few, is when he reconnects with his daughter. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it gets very dusty. Uh, and, it's, and it's his <laughs> performance in that moment. And just, when you have a character hey, that kid. is traditionally funny, and now they're, you know, they're, um, mm -hmm. the they're surrounded by pathos, uh, it makes it doubly emotional for you. Right. I mean, yeah, really, for, for regular humans, it's this, it's this San Francisco beat, and it's the grief counseling scene, and that's that's pretty much where we go. Yeah. Everybody else is a is a superhero. Well, it's a, yeah, it's also yeah that I mean that moment where he sees his daughter, that's coming up here. I mean, we must have dealt with that piece of footage hundreds of times in the editing room, mm -hmm. and I I tear up every mm -hmm. single time yeah. I watch it. I can't. And it's not it's tear all up in his face. It's just the. Well, it's also. I think it's an improv. I don't remember writing it when he says. You're so big, it kills me. Yeah, yeah. He breaks on that. And now this is sort of we got to explore. I think it was five years later, a bit of what if and how how the world would yeah be that, different. That was one of the ideas. It was uh, you know when when Chris and I sat down uh, uh, while you while we're all shooting Civil War and you know in the afternoons when people are doing their jobs, Chris and I had nothing to do. So we came up with this manifesto of all the many many things you could do in these two movies, and one of them was you know. The what if section? What if we were able to to show alternate versions of our heroes? Uh, but instead of a fantasy, it's really just the the natural progression of a five-year jump after a, a terrible event. Mm -hmm. um, so this we we did call this sort of the what if section. Mm -hmm. And then infusing that with emotion yep. and real stakes. I think what is so sad about the scene is that any parent thinking yeah. about missing five years of yeah. any of their children's watch, lives watch Paul is, is profound. Watch. It's that look right there. He can't process it. Mm -hmm. He wants to cry, yeah. You're so big. <laughs> and he's 70 years Amazing. old. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so good. You know, Steve, I was going to mention something just about our process. What you, you brought up before, like in the afternoons, you were saying when we're shooting Civil War and you and Chris don't right. have anything necessarily to yeah. do. I mean, you know, our process on set is always we, warship, we start man. the mornings together when we're shooting because that's when we, we, so we'll typically rehearse a scene. And uh, yeah. sometimes no, during like the rehearsal process, certain issues may come up for a variety of reasons. Uh, we see how the scene's playing, and sometimes Steve and Chris will go away and tweak the scene a little bit mm -hmm. um, while the actors are getting ready before we actually start shooting. And it's usually pretty minor stuff, but it's... Um, it's kind of how we get through our shoot day. And that can happen on, that's, big movies can allow that because we're probably shooting one scene all day. Yeah. It's different than television where you might be doing eight pages and that's several scenes and, uh, but again, the, the screenwriter on a big Marvel movie is, it's important to have around for the first couple hours and then we'll go to craft services and have a bagel. Yeah. That's why we're all 300 pounds right now. Yeah. Uh, balancing all things, guys. This scene is uh, Natasha on the wall. This is the way she has responded to what has happened. She refuses to let up, even if it seems somewhat pointless by this point. Where are you? Mexico. 
The uh, Federales found a room full of bodies. And Scarlet is but great here. Bunch of cartel guys yeah. never even had a chance to get their guns off. Oh, it's probably a rival gang. Yeah, I think it isn't. It's definitely Scarlet's fantastic. It really what he's done here. conveying um, the internal life of uh, a widow who is, I mean, the scene to me, is one of my favorite characters. It's Again, for characters who can travel a distance, if we find that that creates the richest um, arc for them, she starts as a villain. Will you find right. not, of course, not on screen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you go back to, I think, one of the most critical scenes yeah. in the life of her character is in the Please. bedroom of Winter Soldier yeah. between her and Steve Rogers, where she still is, she's still committed to morally gray yeah, uh, to a morally gray existence and cool. steve says to her i can't trust you if you right. stay there if you stay in that space right. yeah we can't have a relationship that extends beyond that perspective was her armor and mm -hmm. over the course of several movies she she put that down and embraced a more heroic point of view so much so that she's the last person on the wall like the, really the point here is that captain america is thinking of giving up he comes here to convince Natasha her that maybe it's not. time to move on. Yes. And that this is an unsolvable problem and that maybe they should just focus on the future and how to take care of people moving forward because they can't fix what's happened. My favorite scenes always in all the movies we've done are between uh, Steve and Natasha. Yeah. Well, uh, and it's, look, it's think about how complex background. this scene is yeah. for her. Because, it, again, it, it speaks to the, the very complex history that she's had with Steve Rogers, right? Grow. For Natasha, but also her complex, so, the whole scene started, you know, earlier is about her complex history with Hawkeye. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like. Well, she's, you know, if she goes on a journey from individualism to community, she is, she's becoming part of a family. Right. And, you know, the Avengers are a family and the world is becoming her family. And she, you know, scenes that I love, her in the bedroom with Cap and Winter Soldier, her in the church. Yeah. In Civil War, where she says, you know, want you keeping the family together is, family. is more important. Right. Right. Now she's she's traveling a distance. She's becoming a leader, and she's understanding the value of community over self. Right. Which is something that, you know, that that she gained from her experience with Steve and Winter Soldier. And, and here, uh, and this is what we're going to track all the way up to that cliff in Vormir, is her willingness to self-sacrifice to bring back the community and the family and make it whole again. I think we both need to get a life. You first. Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, is anyone home? This is uh, Scott Lang. We met a few years now, ago. Now the plot begins. Right. That's yeah. basically the act break. Yeah. The plot begins, and also we get to watch the amazing dexterity of Paul Rudd. And yeah. like this scene is the way he can <laughs> right. dance. Because it's pure exposition. This is some broccoli, some vegetables. you right. got to get through this scene. And the direction but was... He, but he's, you, carrying, he's carrying emotional weight in this scene, yeah, he but he's also very right. funny. It's, right. it's very complex. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. only had a very limited amount of time to process what's happened. Everyone else has had five years. Well, however long yeah. it takes to drive across yeah. the country. You know? Exactly. <laughs> he, got, he got in a van, drove across country. He's <laughs> frantic. He hasn't slept. Five years he thinks he may have a solution, and he goes to the only people he knows who might, one, believe him, and two, be able to execute the plan, or at least you know, help him move forward with his thoughts. 
she was, she was mine. This is a great moment where you guys wrote a great line and, and the actor just fully nails it when he uh, what's his prelude line to where he goes, is that anybody's sandwich? It's like oh, it's totally unpredictable. Oh, I forget what he said. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that sandwich is the secret star of this scene. I think it's just because I like peanut butter sandwiches. Scott, what are you talking about? So, what I'm saying is, again, we take character that normally presents as funny, and you. You put in bur the burden of stakes on him mm -hmm. that are, you know, half the universe. It unlocks something else in him as a character. And this frantic, desperate quality, I think, is um, is really a unique um, shade for, uh, for Scott Lang. Yeah, he carries that in the next scene with Tony. Like, yeah. he sort of gets into it with him. Yeah. It's also, this is, you know... Sort of mirrors us sitting in a room trying to figure out how the hell to get out of the corner we wrote ourselves in at the end of Infinity War and entertaining the idea of a time machine and then feeling that that was the stupidest idea you could possibly have, but then realizing that the Ant-Man franchise, which we hadn't dealt with yet, had legitimately, if you believe the science, the seeds of a time machine in it, which was... A breakthrough. That's a good point, Chris. We do we do all qualify a lot of our Jack pitches on. to one another with it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, yeah. it's crazy. I know it's crazy. We should stop. I get emails. Well, from no, this sucks, I think, but ultimately we we realize that look, time travel doesn't exist. Okay, so it's a it's a it is a ludicrous notion. It, it's a construct of genre filmmaking, and you know, the the I think when we all bought in on it was when we realized the emotional scenes. Right. That could take place That's between right. the characters and people that they loved who are no longer right. with them. It's those scenes, we'll get to them, are going are to yeah. do many things. They're going to collect stones, but they're going to repair people. Um, so ultimately, if you're, en you're entertained by you know, them coming up with the plan, executing the plan, and then you're emotionally fulfilled by what they do while they're executing yeah. the plan, right. it's worth the, uh, the nice construct. Idea. Speaking of emotional change, seeing seeing Tony with his daughter is a whole new Tony. Right. It's a brand new Tony. It gives him stakes immediately. Tiny thing, it's planting rescue so that pepper and armor doesn't come out of nowhere. Quantum fluctuation messes with the Planck scale, which then triggers the Deutsch proposition. Can we agree on that? Tony's only choice here is to protect his family. Right. Because what they're recommending could A, Kill them. B. Mess with the, uh, the current status some, quo. Some could, unspecified way. Right? They could do something is, irreversible that could take his daughter away from him. Right. And that's very much a new Tony. I mean, contrast this guy with, say, the one who testified in front of Congress in Iron Man 2, who's just, <laughs> right. I'll do whatever I want with my technology and, you know, everything will be fine because I'm Tony Stark. Here he's a very cautious protective kind of person. Why just on, on a blunt level, it's the hero refusing the call to action. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what, to, and what Tony does is he takes all of his energy and puts it behind whatever his point of view is. Mm -hmm. You know? He does it in Civil War. He does it here. That's true. Is based on Back to the Future. Isn't it? No. 
Good, you have me worried there, because that'd be horseshit. His belief system is critical to who he is as a character. Even though it's uh, even though it's buried, we did or he buries it, and uh, and uses a, lay, a layer of snark and humor to you know cover that. But I lost someone very important. What we what we you know will discover later in the movie is a, a very big heart. We have a chance to bring her back, to bring everyone back, and you're telling me that you won't even. That's right, Scott. I won't even. And this is this was a tough scene, uh, I think, to write and to execute because. You know, they are coming to I'm perhaps the greatest hero in the Marvel Universe and asking him to help right. reverse what has been done. Right. And he needs to have an emotional reason to tell them no. Right. And they can't express it so much. This is delicate. You can't hammer home the point like, you should risk your daughter's life on this plan. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Steve knows it. I mean, it's the right. look in his eyes. It's what he says yeah. when he's wrong. Well, he's not wrong. You know, we could be messing with things here that we don't understand. Yeah, but I mean, what well, that's we, the thing, too, that do? like the premise here is a very stop? complicated premise, right? No, I want to do it right. You know, bringing bringing people back from five years ago is a, is a messy proposition I mean, right. any way you look at it. And I, not not even talking about the, the time travel complexities of it. Right. You know, that's something uh, I know. I know some people like to think about after watching the movie. Is oh, just it's like, like if you were in a plane, what happens to that? No, yeah. when you come back? Yeah, yeah there's what happens to everybody who's remarried or, you has kids, like, like how do you? But that's I think one of the most compelling things about the movie is doubling down at the end and not right. reversing it. Oh right! Yeah. And so the Marvel Universe moving forward takes place five years in the future, and it's a really complicated future. They're gonna own it. So we gotta talk about Meanwhile, Professor Hulk here. Yeah. Yes, we used, we called him Smart Hulk throughout the shoot. I guess it's okay to talk about how you know his arc, this event, the creation of Smart Hulk used to take place in Infinity War. Mm -hmm. He was uh, fighting in Wakanda. Uh, the whole arc of the story was, uh, you know, uh, Banner and Hulk were not getting along. Hulk wouldn't come out to help him. And at his hour of greatest need, they make some sort of compromise. And Smart Hulk rips out of the armor and beats the crap out of Call Obsidian and, and destroys him. It was pretty clear that the movie could not handle this weird success. The movie needed yeah, to just it. stay in its uh, in the succession of losses in the third act, which meant some hustling on the on the part of VFX. Because uh, that was yeah, cutting that out was a decision made during the editing process on Infinity War. By which point we had already shot Endgame. So. We've shown it to a few audience, a few uh, test audiences. And none of them would accept it. I think it was just it was happening too quickly. Uh, we, that's it. We just didn't have enough because we were in the climax of the movie. I don't think we had enough space to really tell that story. We did not have it in a way that felt satisfying, where you weren't just focusing on. Oh my God! There's a man, man with almost a complete gauntlet right. who's going to uh, right. Imagine like before Thanos shows up, we had a scene where you know uh, Hulk comes out of the bushes and Natasha says, "Hey, big guy, sun's getting low," and he says, "Oh, Natasha, that's not. We don't need that now." You know, it speaks in, in perfect English, and you're supposed to be kind of delighted and jarred by it. And then they're all going to get dusted. It was just tonally yeah. off. Instead, yeah. they were all jarred that's right. by it. It's amazing how well it worked out because the fact right. that in five years, I mean, that it one of the, the great joys of this was thinking about how every Avenger has their own unique road forward right, yeah. through those five years. Right. And that gave Banner a very unique road, you know, and probably 
perhaps the most exciting road. Well, his, his was the snap worked out for him in a way, right? He is his best My self. He's sort of the last remaining superhero. Uh, many Russos want to take pictures with him in the diner, you know. <laughs> for most other people, I guess Tony aside, you know, it didn't work out. Yes, that was my other daughter, Leah. I have to mention that, so I don't get in trouble. Uh, the uh, the other thing, yes, I think the the core conflict of who Banner is is that there are two two characters fighting over a host body, and they hate each other, and that's been the story with him for years. Right. At some point, Banner, who's an intelligent human being, decides, well, what what if we put the hate aside? And we try to resolve this in a way that is holistic. Right. And he merges the two of them. Shit. What are you doing up, little miss? Shit. Nope, we don't say that. Only mommy says that word. She coined it, it belongs to her. Why are you up? And then we should catch up now. We just saw a second ago Tony with Peter Parker's photo. Clearly, this is like his other child that he's lost. You know, and that's spurs him to action. That spurs him to action, makes him consider that, you know, even though he has this child, he still lost a child, and there may be potential to bring that other child back. And he's now in conflict. He solves uh, time, time travel, travel relatively quickly. Relatively quickly. Well, I think been given, <laughs> built on the shoulders of Hank Pym. Yeah, sure. Hank Pym and Scott Lang have given him an, a scientific lead, and Tony has never been able to let one of those Come on, lie. What's your favorite story? Love you tons. And, of course, I love you 3000. I love you 3000, which is now a meme and a t shirt. Robert's ridiculously good with kids. Really, yeah, I, 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 I hear from a lot of people that some of their favorite scenes in the movie are when Tony is is being a father. You were somewhere in the low with his daughter here. Six to nine hundred branches. Some pe people just love to see that yeah, dimension no, of him. Mm -hmm. What you reading? And this is him basically asking. What's new with Pepper? Right. For permission. I figured it out. Right. He doesn't make decisions on his own anymore. It's five years later. He's a family man. And, you know, just so we're talking about and the same again, thing. he knows what's at stake. And he's seeking counsel here from the wow. smartest person in his life. That's I think he regrets amazing. what he's done. And, and he just needs you know, he needs yeah. her to And she she points out the essential conflict to him as a hero, which is we got really lucky. he can never rest. I know. Until Love everyone is safe. No, I can't help everybody. Which will come back. It sort of seems like you can. Not if I stop. I can put a pin in it right now and stop. Tony. Again, another. Trying to get you to stop. Adults in the room talking. I mean, yeah. this is this is why I'm particularly proud of the movie. But I also recognize it's different than many of the other Marvel movies. It's three hours, in part because we let people talk and work stuff out, and it's not all action. I mean, there's no action in this movie until the third act. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of humanity in here. Yeah. Sublime acting. Well, on that both too, parts for sure. This part of the movie is not for the six-year-olds. No. And yet, I mean. You I know, don't think they mind. Smart, hip, hip six-year-old. Every time Gwyneth Paltrow comes to set, it reminds me that she is one of the greatest actresses in the world. 
And, you know, how lucky we are to have someone like her playing Pepper and being able to give us a scene like that. Excuse me? Is literally the, the resolve scene between those two characters. Right. And ultimately, the, um, you know, which leads to Tony's death. No idea. I mean, we're talking about time travel here. Either it's all a joke or none. Smart Hulk is one of those characters that you know we really didn't see in full until like the last week before we delivered the movie because the VFX uh, takes so long on a character like that. We should give credit to you know Mark Ruffalo, who obviously is an amazing actor. Uh, he worked so hard figuring this character out because you know. You know, he's been playing these two versions. Uh, you know, he's been playing Banner. He's been been playing Hulk. But sort of figuring out who the combination of them is uh, was, a, was a real journey for him. We did a lot of experimentation. Spent a lot of time on a motion capture stage playing with different ideas with Mark. Mm -hmm. And uh, he worked really hard to find this character. Well, because the... Peanut butter and chocolate of those two would create uh, uh, something else. This is also another time, like when we first saw the rendering of Thanos, when we first saw a sort of crude version of Smart Hulk that uh, Dan DeLu and his team had, had worked up, realized how funny it was going to be. Yeah. And seeing him behave. Right. You know, as, yeah. Uh, human behavior, small. Right. Human behavior in this body automatically becomes charming. Yeah. And I think what the, the value to this scene in the movie is, what, it, you know, the, the, the laughs don't start until really Paul shows up and starts talking about the quantum realm right. with uh, Steve and Natasha. And then they slowly build. It builds you I, I back in. So we, win. you know, this. I think this movie has a really nice shape to it where you come in and, you know, you are you swim around in the waters of, of pain and loss. Right. And then it slowly starts to pull you out of that. And then the diner gets funnier. And then this scene certainly right. is the funniest scene in the movie up to that point. It also relates the tone with which we're going to be dealing with time travel in this movie. Right. That mm -hmm. second hour is most is, is often for laughs. Yes, we're gonna have fun. Here's a uh, a classic Tony Stark entrance. Yep, he loves his cars. And he Why loves an entrance. Let me guess, he turned into a baby. I love the restraint that you a guys wrote things, this yeah, reunion or reconciliation. Oh, where it doesn't get sloppy. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of, it's a really hard, you know, it's like how do these two repair the, the water that's under the bridge between them? Right. Yeah. Thank God I'm here. They both are ready for it. It's been five years. Five, the five years helps. Yeah, a lot. It's been. Yeah. I mean, since, only since the Civil War, has it been. Yeah. Six oh, years, sorry, that five-year yeah. jump. But yeah, uh, yeah, it depends on the timeline. But if yeah. we say it's 2016, it's been yeah. seven, eight years. years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We'll let someone else figure that out. Well, they finally need each other again. Bring back what we lost. I hope. Yes. Keep what I found. Have to at all costs. And this is, I think, Maybe the best way that try. Tony can apologize. That he, or that he knows how to apologize. Right. Well, with, with right. the answer. Right. <laughs> with the answer and right. with the fine offer of one complimentary shield. That's right. The offer of what, sir? The complimentary shield, shield. Which we haven't yes, seen since. I mean, it's hard to believe we did an entire Avengers movie without seeing that thing. Yeah. It's hard to believe. 
But that's the, I mean, I, that's the value, I think, in serialized storytelling and, and telling a mosaic mm -hmm. like this, is that you, if you make choices that take years to resolve, the audience feels that yeah. because they have, they too have waited years for this to resolve. Uh, and it has been since 2016, since these characters have had a uh, pleasant scene between each other. And then there, there's a shot you typically associate with an Avenger movie. Yeah, right. I remember sitting on set watching many takes of a close-up of a taco and wondering, <laughs> trying to get air. What are we doing? <laughs> it's all again. We're slowly, tonally shifting you away from right. Infinity War in the first part of this film. It's awesome. Into a place where we're, you know, we go from pain and loss to celebration of these characters and who they are together. What's up, and this is also part of the what if scenario, right? right. Is the, is, you know, you saw the Avengers collect in, 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 in the, the first, first Avengers Yeah, film. this is a callback to that. And now you're collecting this sort of odd broken version broken Avengers. Mm -hmm. of, of Avengers and how they've all changed since that first film. And, and they're gonna reform a family. So, of all the journeys these characters have had during these five years, one of the ones that brings me the most joy and delight is Thor's, because the depths that that character had been driven to over the course of his arc through the MCU, and especially most recently in Infinity War, I mean, he lost his mother, he lost his father, his planet was destroyed, you know, Thanos shows up in the beginning of Infinity War, kills his brother, kills Heimdall, kills many of his people, Thor, you know, is sort of Mission of Vengeance in Infinity War ends in failure. Like, you can't get any lower, you know? So where do you go when you're at the bottom? You know, like, sometimes the road forward is, like, the. it's amazing what the human psyche will do. It's like, sometimes the only road forward is is humor. Right. And to shut down everything that hurts. He lets yeah. go. Right. Exactly. And on a storytelling level, it's like, how do you bring an audience forward in a, in a, in a right. story like that? Yeah. All the, the, again, the five-year jump should treat each of your six major characters differently. And Thor went inward, right? He gave up. They'll process their grief in yeah, different exactly. ways. Exactly. You know, uh, Clint is, is similar Ooh. but different, right? He gets rageful. Hulk puts it all together. Banner sort of grows as a result of it, but not everyone can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear about the cable? The Cinemax without two weeks. And Thor is clearly numbing the pain. Right. Yep. He's regressing. Well, it's, it's, and, he, and you know what? He survives by doing that. Right. You know, and this is, by the way, I should point out the performance from Hemsworth is very difficult to to play pathos and humor. At he the same makes time. it look really easy. He does. I think he enjoyed doing this. Like, you know, there's sort of a uh, an image that he has out in the world that he got to play with. And I remember watching this on set, thinking, "Oh my God, this guy is just is, he's bringing all shades mm -hmm. uh, to these, you know, just a couple of minutes." Well, you have to commit to it emotionally and by doing that you make it funnier but you also make it sadder right and those two can compete with each other and cancel each other out if they're done incorrectly this is why this is such a um, small target to hit as an actor and very few actors that can pull it off. rip off your arms and shove them up your butt 
He really hates that kid. Noob yeah, Master. Noob Master 69. Thank you very much. I will. So you guys want a drink? What are we drinking? A beer, tequila? I mean, I, you know, I want to see this. I want to see like seven seasons of this show. <laughs> Korg Tor and me. Tor Korg and, and me Thor. hanging out in this uh, this cabin. This feels like a a sublime BBC comedy. I'm also very fond of the fact that the magical weapon he took the entire last movie to get a hold of is now a bottle opener. <laughs> and Kudos to our sound design team. That ring out on that bottle cap opening is <laughs> very sweet. Now here's the transition of the scene. It comes in, it's right. it's it's like, you know, it's much broader at the beginning of the scene, sure. and then suddenly Slowly I turned. <laughs> suddenly he goes deep and yeah. emotional, and you can see all the pain that. that he's hiding. Um, yeah. We don't actually say that name in here. And it's I think it's what keeps the scene from becoming unmoored. It's mm -hmm. a child there. He is. I mean, look at he clearly blames himself for the loss. That's why he chopped down his head off. Scared. He had an opportunity to do it. At the end of the last movie, didn't. he wanted to enunciate his vengeance, and he failed. Nope. And what's great about this character is that we commit to it, and he doesn't change by the end of the film. He continues to be this person. Right. Well, this yeah. is, you know, he's going to carry this experience with him forever moving forward. You don't yeah. just wash it off. You know, he doesn't just go back to being who he was. Well, that's the, again, I mean, the, yeah, he's sober at the end. Yeah. Well, that's, he that's is true. A, he is accepting who he is. That's his whole arc. It's what everything Frigate tells him is to accept who you are, and this is who he is. Endgame is the concluding chapter for most of our OG Avengers arcs. And remember where he started in Thor, right? In Thor 2, the obligation of the throne. He thought he wanted it. It certainly had been thrust upon him. It was expected of him. Expectations weighed on him his whole life. And the arc that he goes through is to get rid of expectations, is to embrace the guy that he is, not the one he's supposed to be. Which I think is a, one of the more powerful messages of the movie. Yep. Mm -hmm. Embrace who you are and not who people expect you to be. There's beer on the ship. And what kind? Again, it ends with a joke, but he's got tears in his eyes. Right. Yeah. You know, which is what grounds it. And it's a pretty rapid gear shift of tones to come to this. Yeah. Right. It's like each of these characters are in their own movie and have to be pulled out of it and brought back to the main story. Do you guys want to talk about your influences here for this, which is essentially a oneer for, is it the whole time? Uh, yeah, it's a oneer through, yeah, the, through, through the reveal of Natasha. Stitch, yeah. uh, but it is, uh, you know, shot over the course two, two nights, nights, yeah. nights in Atlanta to look so, like Tokyo. I want to say you kept referring to Black Rain. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> it was a uh, the sort of neon look mm -hmm. of, uh, of Black Rain. Of course, the water drops falling from the sky. Yeah, I mean, look, part of the fun, again, is 
to show the wide variety of experience that all these people were going through. That's right. Yeah. And so we could, we, by pushing things stylistically here, uh, we had a perfect excuse for doing that because Hawkeye had gone to such a dark and fringe place um, compared to everybody else. Right. And well, remember, well, I, yeah. just a small thing, had we not started this movie with his family snapping, this wouldn't be nearly as effective. No, You'd have right. to remind yourself who the hell this guy is. It, it had been a year since you've seen him. I think there's very few directions you could go as a character when your entire family dies in front of you or disappears right. in front of you. Do you see the flare in Jeremy's eyes when he's performing that scene, when he realizes what's happened? Mm -hmm. Yes. There's an anger in him, you know? And now he's traveling the world punishing bad people who survived the snap. So this is his a, a way for him to feel, feel some sort of... Uh, sense of purpose, even though it is a dark purpose. You shouldn't be here. It's also the beginning, again, scenes do more than one thing. Uh, the beginning of, you know, four or five beat arc of uh, Natasha and Clint, yeah. you know, and, uh, reminding you of their relationship what they'll do for each other. And there's no one who could have pulled him out of this other than her. And no one else shows up and yeah. gets him to come home. Well, it's also, I mean, it's implied that this is essentially what he did for her. That's right. When he pulled her out of being a Russian agent. That's right, it comes full circle, their relationship. Right, because he had an opportunity to kill her and he... Uh, made another call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and changed her life. And now here she is, Sorry, changing his. These actors understand each other so well. I mean, like this, Scarlett and Jeremy are able to pull out of one another so much subtlety in their performances. Well, think about it. she works well with a lot of people. Like she gets good stuff out of Evans. I mean, like she's yeah, you know, linchpin. Inside there, Lebowski. How's it going? It's rocking. Take it easy. You're only a genius on Earth, pal. Time travel suit. Um, now here we go. Hey, hey, easy. Time travel. Humor. Interpersonal relationships between the characters that we're playing with that, you know, in a way that you've never seen before because they've all changed. Yeah. And yet... Laying out some very important rules and clarifications that would not be particularly trackable if it wasn't an entertaining scene at the same time. So we're we're telling you how many pin particles we have, letting you know that our time theories are or different, right? maybe not the ones you expect. Right. And like before, Chris, how you were saying, like sometimes the scenes are proxies for our own conversations. This yeah. scene is kind of ripped, ripped right out of a uh, that's right late night room. session here. Yeah. yeah, time doesn't work that way. Changing the past doesn't change the future. Look, we go back. We get. I mean, this is. I love uh, Ruffalo's performance here, and the way that. Well, he's strangely the moves. adult in the room. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is. He's trying to bring sanity to the situation. He's a scientist. 
And well, speaking of scientists, his explanation is essentially what we were told by genuine quantum physicists brought into the writer's room to explain time travel to us. They said this. That's right. By the way, this is this movie has my favorite performance from Don Cheadle in all the uh, He has a MCA lot films. of fun stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, it's all, mostly almost all funny, but yeah, Cheadle's doing good work here. All right, Clint. Don is an amazing actor, and again, like super smart. Embarrassment of riches when you're working on these movies. But how deep the bench goes on these films is just insane. Um, from a talent standpoint. And then we thought, you know, if if they have to test this, certainly the most compelling person to test it would be Hawkeye, who could revisit his family if only momentarily. Well, also, I think it was us trying to honor stakes as well, which is, uh, you know, the idea that, like, well, Ant-Man was trapped in the quantum realm for five years, and something very bad just happened to him when when Smart Hulk was experimenting. So it's like it's dangerous to uh, volunteer for time travel right, uh, right. experimentation. And so who, who, <laughs> who's motivated? Who's got a bit level? of a death wish? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, props to the effects team because those boots don't exist. Yeah, that entire that scene is CG. amazing. The, the way the effects team designed the wrinkles on those boots, I'm just like yeah. they're so imperfect. Yeah, and they've it's got perfect. They've got mud on. And none of this suit exists. That's fantastic. But it was important to have uh, sort of unifying outfits. I mean, it's a new wrinkle for the Avengers. The idea that they're you can have a team lineup, you know, that has a practical reason. Yeah. And the the tragedy of that moment is that clearly they had put a timer Dad? on Clint's uh, trip back to the past to make sure that he in fact he did stay. did return. Yes. Hey, hey, look at me. Huh? You okay? We did a version of this scene where Hawkeye attacks Smart Hulk because he's so angry about being pulled back. You know? He's kidding. Steve was trying to remember. There usually every day, yeah. but sometimes <laughs> I, I thought he was going to talk about the orange slice joke that we cut <laughs> out of the end of it. Uh, oh my god! Red is holding an orange slice and says, uh, "Anybody want an orange slice?" So this is what we call sort of the time travel brainstorming scene, right? Is that where we are? Yeah. Yeah, uh, where you you start to lay out the plan, right? Yeah. They know that it, they know that it can work. They know that this the suits that, work. That Tony's, right. uh, you know, space-time GPS works. Plotting the time heist, mm-hmm. right? And that you can navigate the quantum realm to uh, other other points right. in time. It was when hitting upon this idea that the second act would be going back to the movies of the MCU and seeing them from new points of view. The idea that we could sort of talk about them and you know, sort of comment on them mm-hmm. was kind of delightful. This is a good example, you know, Thor the Dark World has a kind of confusing backstory that involves dark elves and every 5,000 year and a uh, stone that is not event. a stone. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we thought we would sort of, you know, it's called hanging a lantern on something, you know? Well, it's, you know, you get the opportunity to go back and have a little fun. That's right. With, 
there was an embarrassment of riches here. We probably had 15 yes. pages of stuff. You know? Oh yeah, amazing. amazing. Yeah. You're right. There was a scene that we cut that was entertaining, but it just didn't. It ultimately didn't work. Where, if you remember, they were watching the uh, battle in New York. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. right. And Rocket had a great joke where he was like, "Oh my God, how long did you fight these guys?" And he was referring to the Chitari. And uh, I think Steve Rogers says oh, a couple hours and hours. <laughs> All you got to do is blow up the mothership. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Everybody knows that. The crap. That's the suckiest army in the galaxy. Yeah. There, uh, Hemsworth. It, yeah. Felt a After, it felt a little too inside oh, base. Yeah. Yeah. After Hemsworth performed this scene a couple times, we you know, we shot him first and a couple of camera setups. Every, all the actors in the room applauded him. <laughs> yeah. Again, emotional commitment to right. a comedic performance sets up him seeing his mother right. in the past. That's right. What and she he just name dropped it. Name drops yeah. there. Right. Yeah. And there we've got one of our favorite Easter eggs in the movie is the Ben and Jerry's. Oh, yes. Right. Hulk. That is a deep cut there. Yeah. Yeah. Is that bad? Uh, it's Hunk Hunk and Bernie Fudge. Hunk Hulk and Hulk and Bernie Do you want to go to space? You want to go to space, puppy? And now we're, you know, taking each scene to sort of remind right. you where the stones existed in the past, which characters were involved uh, in those moments with the stones right. so that as those scenes start to reappear in the film, hopefully you've, uh, you know, you remember them. It should be noted, I've seen this on the internet, that, uh, you know, Nebula doesn't know about the exchange that's required at Vormir. No, no one knows, knows other that, than anybody who was yeah. there. She just knows no, her yeah. sister didn't come back. She knows right. her sister went there with her father yeah. and her sister didn't come back and he left with the stone. So... Only assumptions can be made about what happens on that planet. But, you know, who knows? She could have tried to stop him and right. he murdered her. We have no idea. He, he could have simply murdered her because he finally got what That's he wanted. That's right, got what he wanted mm -hmm. and, the, you know, you betrayed the, me. And, yeah. the, the only one who really knows is Red Skull. Right. All right. We have a plan. Six stones, three teams, one shot. Speaking of Red Skull, have you guys thought about whether or not Cap runs into Red Skull when he's returning the Soul he Stone? To. Many times. <laughs> yes, he would have to. Well, I guess if, if Red Skull has been released from his I don't think bonds, he, he's not released. Well, what's well, he doing there? At the exact the, moment. He's, he's, the, moment he of the, is the Guardian. But there's no Soul Stone there. At but the it moment. may come back. But he goes back the moment before. Right. At, yeah, that's true. You know your teams, yeah. you know your missions. It's fun to think about. Here they are in their suits. As you said, this is a new team, a new mission. Costumes just represent either, you know, identity, mm -hmm. emotional state, storytelling, uh, when they're working at their best. And this is storytelling. This is a new team has collected for their greatest mission. Whatever it takes. And it includes some of the Avengers and some of the Guardians. Right? All right. Everybody's an Avenger now. Some of the Ant-Man. You promised to bring that back in one piece, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'll do my best. Clearly they had shrunk the ship prior uh, to departure. You just give it for traveling purposes, right. right? It's a little easier to travel with a small ship. Great. By the way, this is a moment to talk about Alan Silvestri. 
Mm. Uh, that score is phenomenal there. Yeah. Literally, it, it's one of his best, and he has a lot of bests. And that Avengers theme, I think, has become yeah. so uh, so Pavlovian in a way. It's, it's an amazing tool to have as a filmmaker, a theme that is that resonant and memorable, and that can rousing, rousing and pull emotions out of the audience the moment that they hear it. Right. Now we here we are, sort of reinventing uh, famous moments from the Marvel Universe. Just uh, yards away in an alley. Just this Was this? I can't remember. Was this scripted? Uh, yeah. 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 I just remember one of our stunt players going ape as. Uh, oh, as. Uh, yeah. As, as, as the, the original Hulk, Hulk? for no, yeah, the idea was that Hulk was gonna, yeah. you know, do something awful and embarrass the heck out of yeah, and it led to him having this gr yeah. half-hearted growling from uh, yes. from Ruffalo is yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that was a, an improv on the motion capture stage, I believe. I what was right. him walking out there and doing that? And here we have. It used to end with just him saying, uh, you know, with that uh, sort it's of embarrassment. Yeah, it's gratuitous, and he would jump away. I think that might have been the it. first. Actually, it came from a visual effects team. Actually, they animated a version of that that mm. then we yeah, tried to reenact on the uh, on the uh, motion capture stage. But it was it actually the idea came from animation of him going. Uh, this is one of those delightful things as we realized that we could bring back dead characters if we were as long as we're traveling through time. And the ancient one died in. Doctor Strange, right, but she would be the keeper of the Time Stone during this period, so. What's fun about Smart Hulk is that he has Hulk's aggression. He's, uh, you know, it's sort of, it, Banner is is different. He's not, he's not as sort of pensive and- it's a combination you know, of the two. Thoughtful and awkward, and, I, you know, talk about dead characters. That's right. Uh, Loki makes a, a return actually appears in a couple of these. That's right. Yeah, tons of Loki. All right. This was uh, shot in uh, Durham Cathedral yeah. in the UK in April of 2017, a full two years before yeah. it would come out. This is one of the one of the only a couple things we shot during the shooting of Infinity War for Endgame. Now, what's, what can be compelling about these scenes is is how they don't go to plan, right? How they go wrong. And mm -hmm. they can go wrong because characters are ill-equipped, a mistake happens, something unexpected happens, uh, or you're, you're emotionally ill-equipped. And, um, and Thor is not prepared Who's the fancy bro? emotionally for what he is seeing. Well, this is a guy, again, he's, he's, he's been repressing himself and he can't do it any longer seeing her. Yeah. Thing. Again, this and is what, the, this is a stone collection section, right? We're mm -hmm. gonna go back and uh, and get six MacGuffins, God help me, and bring them back <laughs> to solve the problem. But if each one of them is just picking one up or you know uh, some kind trip. of high, a shopping trip, it's not it, it's not worth the real estate. Yeah. Um, so this is a particularly valuable piece of real estate here, where Rocket right here, by the way, gets to express why he's in the movie. Right. This is this is how I feel about you know, what we're doing. And then of course, in the next few scenes, Thor's gonna get to, you know, address issues with his mom. 
you can help them. And this yeah. is a rare emotional so moment for us. Okay. Ask right. that you brush the crumbs out of your beard, make Schmoopy talk to pretty pants, and when she's not looking, suck out the infinity stone and help me get my family back. One of our uh, our favorite characters, right. Rocket. He reminds me of uh, Louis De Palma from yeah. Taxi. <laughs> it's about the same height. Yeah. You can do this. You can do this. But again, complex scene. Credit to Sean Gunn who performs Rocket on set. Mm. I can do this. I can't do this. All right, Heartbreaker, she's alone. This is our shot. Thor? He and Thor make a fantastic odd couple. Yeah, it's one of the few uh, pairings we repeated. Yeah. Um, well, it's an inv you know, it's sort of a. You know, because it changes so dramatically from what it was in the Ah, uh, that's a good right? point. It's it's almost like a new pairing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it almost inverts in a way. Right. You know, where uh, Thor is rooting for, I mean, the uh, Rocket's rooting for the godlike Thor, uh, and now he's trying to pull them together. For viewers who are paying attention, this is your first hint that these two. Are on a, on a doomed mission. Watch each other's uh, six. Yeah, that's one of the one of the joys of making this kind of wish fulfillment movie is you can take two characters who are probably the two most earthbound Avengers, put them in a spaceship, and send them through space, and it all makes sense. <laughs> and just a little reminder of their history together. Okay, so, uh... Just These two are another great odd couple who also Let's take cover. have um, We're not the only ones in some, some physical issues of, of Wait, which Right, that, their one moment really comes when she puts her hand through the, uh, the energy bars. Uh, note that each one of these you know, stone missions has a different um, purpose in the film. This one gets the antagonist back on story. Um, and it also does a, a lot of things with Nebula and, and her story. Um, Which is a huge turning point in the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it took a while. I mean, yeah. I think it took us a while to, to come up with uh, a, a duplicate Wi-Fi uh, issues. <laughs> <laughs> and here is another dead character. Moment. Now, of course, this is not the same character. This is character who doesn't have the same emotional connection to anyone else in the film, especially to Quill. Doesn't have the same memories. That's a, a unique thing that you can play with in a time travel film is revisiting dead characters who may, could become part of the story right, moving yeah. forward, and it takes but a lot are of, not the same people. It takes a lot of juggling. You have to sort of remember this is uh, Gamora who is probably a day or two away from the beginning of Guardians 1, where she is sent to uh, Xandar to go steal the orb from Quill, which means that she's already thinking of betraying Thanos. Mm -hmm. uh, she's not you know, fully under his spell. I love that about it, though. She's in such a different place than, than yeah. Gamora is back here. I mean, than Nebula. Yeah, Nebula is, yeah. right. Because Nebula, I mean, in their showdown she's later, Nebula yeah. knows that her former self is incapable of making yeah, this fully step committed. at this moment. And it's a, you know, great performance from Karen Gillan that 
for a relatively affectless character, there's a there's a big difference between present day mm. Nebula and this one. Yeah, incredible performance. Wait, I think. She, she, yeah, really. her subtleties are amazing. The, yeah. the control the she, she has over that she character. She understands the different characters. But that's one of my favorite entrances in the film is Thanos, blood splattered, mm -hmm. zero explanation, walking onto a ship. This is a different version of the character than there in the last film, the sort of right. so the enlightened stone collector. That's right. This is the butcher. Her synaptic drive was probably damaged in battle. Bring her to my ship. All this stuff has to be really clean and easy to understand. Um, so that took a while in both yeah. the writing and the uh, directing and editing of these uh, a lot of I mean I think the most work on the movie and editorial was done in the sequence the and trying story. to track yeah. well I just think well, all the time travel well, stuff sure. trying right. to track it right you know how were you intercutting it so that you could you could retain the narrative thread from the last scene because right. you are you're moving uh, between quite a few missions here and here we are looking at the backside of a famous scene from Avengers. Yeah, that's and back certainly a backside. There's America's backside. Completely different perspective. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. And then probably the most controversial joke in the whole movie, America's ass. Controversial for all of us. That was hotly debated. Was it? Yes. But this also gives us an opportunity like to to weave several movies together. So when these guys show up, you're actually referencing Winter Soldier, not Avengers 1, because this is when Hydra would have gotten a hold of that stone. It's making them canon in that movie. So these, the strike team existed prior to the events in Winter Soldier. I mean, again, just point out, like, if you don't do that beat there, where Loki, as he has before, particularly in Thor The Dark World, impersonated Captain America, then you don't get a logical reason for 2012 Cap to fight 2023 Cap, because otherwise, why would he, what, what does he think he's looking at? Now he knows he's, he must assume this is Loki. Uh, there's a lot going on here. This is this took a lot. Of <laughs> and this, this <laughs> ridiculous just... beat, Hulk hates stairs of not being able to fit the Hulk on the elevator, right. has a cascading effect that leads to the end of the movie. In effect, <laughs> I love that. Which is <laughs> really satisfying. Yeah, it's really... Well, each of these missions embrace a different tone. You know, yes, and this one is a, I think, an Ocean's Price. Eleven, oh, yeah. you know, sort of uh, hijinks caper, uh, where, as you said, simple choices uh, um, lead to a domino effect that that uh, ruin the um, the yeah. outcome for them. And now this probably so we snuck into a theater opening night uh, in Westwood, the Village Theater, Los Angeles, and watched yeah. this with 1,200 people, and. One of the most satisfying moments of the entire screening was when Cap it's walks out of the elevator yes. with right. the stone, yes. having said Hail Hydra. Obviously, this, this whole scene is built as a misdirect to make you anticipate a reenactment of the fight with the exact same strike team in uh, an elevator. I'm gonna have to call Cap, the wizened Cap. Yeah, trust me. 
Well, this is another example. I mentioned it earlier, where the audience thinks they're ahead of the story. And at the mm -hmm. beginning of the movie, the audience is ahead of the story because they know that uh, Clint's family's going to get snapped. They assume there's going to be a second fight here, and they're fine with it because, mm -hmm. like, the first fight was a great fight. But then we find, then we circumvent it, right, and undercut it mm -hmm. with a and little bit happier. And, yeah. Well, it's like, you know what I love about it is like an old athlete who realizes he can just run out of bounds. That's he right. Doesn't have to, <laughs> right, right, right. He doesn't have to take the hit. But this whole section is doing right. that, right? If you are a super fan or have more than a passing knowledge of the MCU, you are being drawn into scenes you think you know, and then you're getting different perspectives on them. Yeah, because why go back why if you're going to show the same thing? That's exactly right. You've got to present a new angle. One of which we're about to run into here, which is that... At this point, the person who would have been wanting to get a hold of that cube would be this man. Man above the man. <laughs> and this is, as declared by himself on set, Robert Redford's last movie role. It was the last day of acting. Ever. Which is pretty insane to say. Yeah, pretty insane. Yeah, got I mean, to make that. You know, of him, sort of the, of, you know, his last performance, Stan Lee's last performance. Yeah, seven years of, 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 of really incredible moments on these movies. This is, this is certainly up there. Mm. Now directing Mr. Robert Redford's Mr. last day. <laughs> Mr. Redford may change his mind sure. here in another movie. And I wouldn't complain. Yeah. Again, making this character canon, because of course he existed. Uh, during this movie, even though he was not seen uh, on screen in Avengers. And now, coming upon a moment that I remember when it when it came to being in the in the in the writing room, when we realized that Hulk was in the stairs, and then <laughs> would do that, and that, and that. Amazing. It's <laughs> too. It's it's the kind of idea. It's too stupid. Not to do it. <laughs> and Loki disappears. This is a great performance beat here. Where did Loki go? I had, Will we ever I had find no idea out? if that was going to work. Yes! Oh, that worked a treat. You thought I was so crazy. I had no idea oh, if that was going to work. The case. The case. And it's a nice piece of work from Hemsworth there because he's giving you a little taste of. The goes. new kind of Thor, yeah, exactly. in the old. but goes in the back old. into right. old Thor. There, pretty amazing. Tony, what's going on? You notice this, this 2023 caps wears a lot more than the old. Yeah, I, I noticed this. I didn't well, remember. I it mean, this set. is guy. This guy's been through a lot. That's true. Yeah. Well, this is another beat that you know influences the decision he makes later because I think he sees his past self here and. What a hard nut he is. Yeah, it's a little exhausted Well, that, that was the intention of all this, is oh, how yeah. distinctly right. different these two yeah. characters well, are, I can right? Do this all day. That yeah, what, know. Uh, you know, know, 11 years does to him and everything he's been through and the sort of square version of Cap from uh, Avengers 1 running into the Wizened. Because you got to remember, this... That cap with the helmet on is what? Maybe about a month yeah, after out of, coming out of the out ice. Of freeze, so yeah. He's essentially 1940s cap. Where did you get this? And 
here we can have some fun with the knowledge that the future cap would hold. Once again, the different Marvel movies intertwining. And this was the controversial <laughs> America's ass. How often does a man have the opportunity to admire his own ass from that perspective? You have to take it. You can't not exactly. Do it. Coincidence smiled upon him. Please, I'm please. sorry, I can't help you. Bruce. Another scene that took a lot of rejiggering and jiggering your reality, I'm dooming my own. to make complicated things clear and clear enough so that people could track why certain decisions are made later. The Infinity Stones create what you experience as the flow of time. Remove one of the stones, and that flow splits. Now, this may benefit your reality, but my new one, not so much. In this new branch reality, without our chief weapon against the forces of darkness, our world would be overrun. Millions will suffer. But tell me, Doctor, once again, part you know, part of the fun of getting to do the twenty-second movie is you get to combine this genius character of science from one strand of the MCU with this mystical character from a completely different strand, who, hither to this point, had never gotten anywhere near each other, and have them have a meeting of the minds. In order to return the stones. As the, the sort of interesting piece of information, the turning point of the scene. Right. Sends you back to the previous movie, reminding you about what where we're headed, the 14 million uh, uh, futures that Doctor Strange looked at. What did he say? And that if this is how wise she is, that if Strange were to give that stone away willingly, that there would be purpose behind no that action. And the per perhaps the purpose of that action was for her in this moment. Right, to do something other than what she thinks she should do. She, if you remember in Doctor Strange, could never see past her own death. So she has to take his word for it, right? Again, each of the stone collection scenes are doing different things. This is sort of gives you the rules of time travel. It's not an emotional scene, you know, it's not, these are two characters who don't know each other. It's not a reunion of any kind. Um, but it gives you, you're getting different flavors from the different different missions. And it, it, it paints the stakes for motivating yeah. Cap to return at the end of the movie. Uh, yes. But it is, there's a whole cascade of complications that are happening now at this point in the mission though, right? Mm -hmm. Right. This, he gets new rules about what they can do with the That's stones. Right. Loki escapes. That's right, they lost the stone. And I yeah. think to see how good of an actor Mark Ruffalo is, watch that scene where he plays Banner. Yeah. It is very different than who Smart Hulk is. It reverts back to that sort of, you know, uh, on a, the back of his heels, you know, right. character. Uh, and the confidence dissipates. and. It was a memory, but not hers. There's another consciousness sharing her network. Another and speaking of complications, here comes the primary one in the movie, which yeah. is 
this duplicate. Thanos gets on the A story. From nine years. Uh, Ma makes a return. Right. One of our favorite characters. Favorite. Again, these are scenes that that need to be really clean and clear, so that audiences don't get lost in the uh, timey wimey. Uh, uh, yeah, we did some stuff. retooling, I think, in reshoots yeah, I mean. on the dialogue it's, it's, in the scene to clarify. Do, it. Did audiences have too much? They have too little. I mean, I'm, I think we had versions that were we said the same thing too many times and that kind of stuff. And I think we always have to, I mean, we try to keep in mind that there is a wide range of ages that will be right. watching this movie and it needs to be clear. Terrans. Avengers. Unruly wretches. Thanos is detective. He is a he is a brilliant mind, Thanos, and this is him piecing together with a couple of uh, clues what happens to him in his future. Two different times. He's on to it here. Set course for Morag to scan the duplicate's memories. I want to see everything. Back in Durham Cathedral. Mm -hmm. I remember you specifically doing this little move here where she like jumps the frame or something what is this well, she yeah. is a magical character in some yeah. ways right to I, re remind I, people that she is she has power she has yeah. powers. But i don't even know how you do it would well she yeah she gets there faster than a, a human would <laughs> we did a little reset yeah. and married two shots together to do that to get her there and Renee Russo is really great in this. Oh, she's fantastic and really... She may have more lines in this than she has had in the previous two Thor movies. Yeah. Or it might be close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really... To see a mother recognize the pain in her son here. Yeah. And to see a broken son mm -hmm. get to spend time with his dead mother again. I see with more than eyes. You know, and we worked, we we went through variations where, with Thor come, I mean, where we were very much on the stone mission in certain drafts where, well, the, the stone is in Jane, Thor would go talk to Jane. But we realized that the work emotionally that needed to be done on Thor wasn't, uh, it wasn't romantic work, it wasn't, it wasn't scientific work. It was a kind of absolution that only his mother could give. His head was over there. His body over there. That was a, I think that was an outtake from The Dark World. Jane uh, getting out of bed. And we added Rocket to the shot and changed the context of the uh, original intention of the shot. A failure? Absolutely. It's a little bit harsh. And do you know what that makes you? Just like everyone else. Thor's mm, mother trying to make him whole again. Everyone fails at who they're supposed to be, Thor. The measure of a person, of a, a hero. By providing him with some of perhaps the wisest the words in the movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe eat a salad. <laughs> well, fiber can be quite helpful. 
but this really is the sort of these are the words Thor has needed to hear the entire not just the entire movie his entire arc across the MCU he has been striving to fulfill an idea of himself that he inherently somehow just doesn't fit and it's only now that he gets to be who he is an inspiring moment here where he you know, sort of self-confidence where he puts his hand out. Mm -hmm. I underestimated it uh, in the script and in shooting. It's, uh, it, it's a lovely beat here. Because undoubtedly in the last five years, he has thought himself unworthy. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's again, again, it's his performance. Hemsworth, yeah. so <laughs> he commits delighted. to it. Yeah. And then the music cue. And then you pre-lap, yeah. right. Which smashes together. That's right. And, and again, if you're a fan, you know, you may even know what's coming. If you remember the song. Yeah. Uh, and that's a movie star entrance. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's celebratory and That's right. You know, I think that the sequence is building to a, a warm and uh, you know fulfilling, hopefully fulfilling climax. Um, and then it will take a tragic turn. Right. But for now, the job is to make you feel for the characters, have them have, as we said, emotional moments and moments of repair, see different perspectives on right. previous events of the Marvel film. The Marvel films uh, clearly, like Quill is just a guy with a uh, Walkman on who's singing right. out of tune. His jaw's broken there, right? <laughs> at the very least. His brain, his, he, he lost his, some brain damage, for sure. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is the part where, you know, spikes come out with skeletons on the end of them and everything. What are you talking about? When you break into a place called the Temple of the Power Stone, there's going to be a bunch of booby traps. No. Okay, all right, yeah. go ahead. A little bit of Cheadle improv there. He sort of, yeah, kind of went. Definitely. I can't remember. At the end of it, maybe, playing with that yeah. Power Stone stuff, the Temple yeah. Power Stone stuff, scripted. And this beat always, again, it's small, but it's two characters who have suffered and have move on, move on with prosthetics, you know. Yeah. And also allows you to tell the difference between the two. Uh, yes, it's doing that as well. Uh, Later in the film, one of them has I wasn't a always like this. destroyed arm. Me either. But we work with what we got, right? Mm. If only she was faster on the draw here. Three, yeah, we change everything. One. Well, it's not so much the draw. I think she's having a little, little aphasia there. She can't move. And this moment is one of my favorite moments in the movie where Thanos gets nothing but satisfaction from seeing his head chopped off. Yeah, it's, it's just confirmation <laughs> that he is on the right track. <laughs> well, I think that's always that, uh, you know, if, if uh, Thanos uh, supporters online, uh, what uh, is exciting to them about him as a character is his monastic dedication right. mm -hmm. to his mission. 
and he is willing to die for the mission. So what's great about having 21 years of backstory is that you have rich lives for your characters. And as this is just prior to Gamora um, uh, wanting to uh, escape Thanos and Guardians, you'll see that moment where he touches her hair and her eyes sort of flit away from him in semi-disgust. She drops to her knee as a way to just avoid his touch. Uh, you get a you get a sense that the two of them are having very different reactions to this information that he is learning. Well, she also knows in the back of her head, if he gets all the stones in the future, that means he finds out where the soul stone is, and she is the only person who knows where the soul stone is, so. She also placed her hand on her weapon there when yes, Ma. Yes, I noted that, yeah. It's a lot, of, a lot of juggling by both Karen and Zoe mm -hmm. uh, in these scenes. Yeah. And fantastic performance. I mean, just think about it as an actor going backwards in the life of your character and uh, resetting them and having to remember where for you sure. were and in years Zoe's before. case, I think yeah. she's got new information about her character at that moment, given that Infinity War, you know, was sort of conceived after Guardians and Guardians. Come in, River. Thanos knows. Thanos. remember he set course for Morag right. mm -hmm. uh, a few scenes ago and this is why Cap. now back to New York Sorry, buddy. We got a problem. which Cap. might be one of the trickier cuts I think in, in, in the sequence because it's been a little while we're, since. we were always going to be gone from somebody for a while right mm -hmm. and so I so have to remember here oh yeah uh, Tony got knocked down by the Hulk, and Loki made off with this. Mm -hmm. a, a funny reset. But this is also, it's not just the end of, it's not just the continuation of that thread, it's the beginning of a new sequence. That's right. And remember, every stone mission not only is doing emotional things and getting stones, but they're all, uh, there are unpredictable complications in every one of them, some greater than others, but you can go right down the line by, you know, uh, uh, finding uh, Frigga, going off course with Frigga, uh, the Ancient One being there when they weren't expecting it, losing in a stone here to Loki, you know, Thanos getting onto the mission. Mm -hmm. These all are inter intertwined. And now here's another performance where, you know, uh, an actor's committing to the stakes and making the scene funnier because of it. Paul Rudd. Mm -hmm. Pushing against Robert Downey. Get this back to the compound. Shoot up. What's in New Jersey? And uh, Chris Evans on the scene. Excuse me. Are you sure? And we're hiding the ball and where they're going. Sorry. America. Rogers. Look, if you do this. And I think one of the. I mean, not one of the, perhaps the best pairing of characters in the Infinity Saga. Captain Tony. Oh, sure. The whole thing yeah. is based on their crossing arcs. I mean, we've talked about this before. The idea that that uh, Tony goes from selfish to selfless now over the course of these movies. I'm just going to interrupt you for the. Right. Enough said. Enough said. Last, last appearance during his lifetime of Stan Lee, who had a 
grand old time and dressing up as his former self. And who'd been Lola, right? I mean, that, yeah, uh, that, yeah, is, that was the idea. It was the age there, so it looks mm, more like Stan yeah. in that time period. And there is that famous picture of Stan in the 70s <laughs> there's wearing a, there's a that outfit with that hair. Yeah. And, uh, and now the best cameo in the movie. <laughs> oh, who's Mr. Chubby? There he goes. <laughs> Not that guy, the other guy. <laughs> it's delightful. You, you, you crushed it. And talk uh, about fortuitous moments in storytelling. You, you actually have a location that would have contained... Yes. Howard Stark, Hank Pym, and Peggy Carter. That's right. All at the same time. It's one of those projects. moments where... The various MCU strands come together in a really satisfying way. You have the flashback from the beginning of Ant-Man. You have the first Captain America. You have Winter Soldier happening here. Um, and all of Tony's various relationships with his dad throughout the whole series. I think the, uh, I think the tone of the end of the movie changes without this chance encounter between he and his father. Oh, yeah. It's not as hopeful. It's not as much resolve for Tony as a character. Well, it's his, it's his, it's his final unresolved personal issue. Back in the game. And probably his longest standing one in the, in the series. Sure. It's certainly one we've, we've hit several times. Doors this way, pal. Oh, yeah. Looking for Dr. Zola. Have you seen him? Yeah, no, Dr. Zola. No, it is remarkable what visual effects will allow us to do now. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we certainly would not have tackled this story 15 years ago. No. I'm trying to do it with makeup. It would just be makeup and, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, this is a great performance between these two actors here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Filled with so much, it's, it's so pregnant with um, well, I'm, uh, Howard Stark. Hi. with their their history. And it's just something you know. This is one of those opportunities that working in this in this genre allows you. You know, and it's it's not just men in capes smashing through things. You have the opportunity to take a son, and put him in a scene with his own father where the son is older than the father. You know one of those beatniks, are you, the son has a child, so has more experience in parenting than the father <laughs> whose wife is pregnant with the son. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not for, you know, we don't play it for 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 laughs, but it's just, it's pure emotion. I mean, that's the best science fiction can do this kind of stuff. Now, this is clearly would have been impossible 15 years ago. You're right, exactly. <laughs> That, that, the streets street. of San Francisco, exactly. Michael That's Douglas. Right. <laughs> right there. Incredible. And I just want to retroactively tip of the hat to Russell Bobbitt for providing that the Ant -Man vintage Ant-Man helmet <laughs> when you saw a moment ago. Captain Stevens. Right. Shipping. <laughs> now, not only... Uh, you know, is it Howard Stark, Hank Pym, and Peggy Carter? It's uh, a uh, space stone. Uh, yes. And Pym particles. Yes. So we, it turns out we needed more MacGuffins. Yes. We just said, boy, six? Jeez, I think. Mm -hmm. Let's challenge ourselves. 
Uh, he's bringing sauerkraut just because my mom uh, created sauerkraut when, uh, when she was pregnant with me. So. That's the McFeely Easter egg. Yeah, it's a lot of personal touches. Mm. <laughs> the, uh, you know, what's, think about their story. Uh, in Civil War, you see that these two have a dysfunctional relationship and that Tony is a part of Tony's petulant personality comes from his hard-ass father uh, or his um, sort of uncaring father uh, or what he believes was his uncaring father. And then he sees him brutally murdered, yeah, which creates a, you know, an incredible... Uh, um, um, you know, creates incredible pain inside Tony that he cannot resolve. And I think creates the rift between he and Steve. Now he's able to go back into the past. As is Steve here. Our first draft did not have this, and I, I it's, it would have been a shame. <laughs> it's really lovely. Um, uh, the, just the structure of the scene, you know, the, uh, uh, the production design, you know, setting up this office in such a way that he can be in shadow and she can be in light. Mm -hmm. And that performance from Evans, the yep. longing on his face without a single line of dialogue, you understand how important she is to him and how much he misses her. And she's, this is now the fourth time. So even if you somehow didn't see any of the movies, you know who this person is to him. Mm, yeah. And by seeing her, his picture on her desk, he gets a little bit mm. of confirmation right. that she wants the same thing he does. Or hasn't let him go. Yeah. yeah. So that if he were to go back, right. you know, it might be reciprocal. Now here's the, you know, the son giving the father advice. Yeah. It'll help the father moving forward. Oh, yeah. Did you feel qualified? Like you had any idea how to... That's a nice indication here that maybe the reason Howard was a hard ass to Tony is that he didn't want Tony to turn out like him. And if you go back in the MCU and see Dominic Cooper, he was quite like Tony. As Tony gaining insight into who his father was. Oh yeah, he says here, my, my old man, you know, right. only solved problems with a belt. Yeah. This is uh, this is one of the best jokes in the movie that. Yeah, I get swallowed. Everything's gonna be all right. By laughter here, but he. Thank you. He actually says thank you, for your service. And of course, James Darcy. Yes, currently. Currently, the only character that's gone from television to the films, from Agent Carter. And I wonder why. Because <laughs> he's magnificent. That's why. It was organic. <laughs> and, you know. We... Well, it's just a, there's a wonderful thread between uh, Jarvis and Jarvis, Tony naming his AI after him, and then that AI becoming Vision. This is actually which is interesting to talk about. This is a lesson we learned late. Uh, we first tried to play this, what we say, call it card down, where it was a mystery to the audience. We kept this from the audience, the idea that. Thanos was going to use uh, his version of Nebula to replace 
future nebula. Uh, didn't work. It was complicated and it was confusing. Our worry was that if you did it this way, the audience would be ahead of some pretty emotional moments uh, involving bringing all the people back. This is much better. It's much stronger for Karen Gillum. Yeah. And it's much cleaner and clearer to the audience what's going on. Yeah. It also lets you sit with more of the time travel weirdness as opposed to, you know, we were actually hiding a very strange encounter that you wouldn't ordinarily have the opportunity to have in a movie. Why not do it? Kudos again to Karen for this performance. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult as an actor within like, you know, an hour of each performance having to perform the other character. Uh, they're so different. One is hateful and the other is enlightened. And here's Thanos gaining pin particles. Now, uh, the obvious assumption being that uh, Thanos, who has a spaceship that can carry his army throughout the galaxy and conquer planets, can also figure out how to science up a little. Yes. Yeah. And some pin particles. Best not with to his, dwell on it. With his magician who can, uh, you know, move matter. That's right. Now, uh, if you remember matter. Infinity War, and you probably do if you're seeing this movie, when you get to Vormir, your dread starts to build because you know what the price for the Soul Stone is. And so act construction-wise, this was always going to be last. Um, and I think it, Jeff Ford and you guys in editing sort of uh, moved pieces around so that pretty much all came together. It wasn't intercut in any way, which is smart because it is, you know, the end of act two, it is the darkest thing that can happen. We're losing emotional momentum That's when we're the cutting thing. it up. And, you know, I think, yes, it's, t it's tonally very different than what's happening around it. So, you know, you're gaining repair with Tony and his father, sense of longing from Cap. You're hoping for repair there. Uh, and if you were to intercut that with what you know is ultimately going to be someone's death right. scene. Yeah, it would be, you'd be, mm -hmm. you'd only cut it right around yes. here. You'd be, it'd be an open question. And your, and your brain may be focused more That's on, right. I need to get back to war and figure die. out <laughs> right. what's going to happen there. Um, and again, just constructing the act and the scenes. Uh, for one of you. Somewhat, a pair of people other, who could arguably love each other needed to go to Vormir for this to work. That is correct. And um, this was the this was the obvious pairing in our minds. And then the question becomes, who's going to be the one to go over, and how is that going to get done? We actually reshot this. This is much better than what we had. It was a little more complicated. It was Thanos in a uh, sending a, a small army to pretend to try to stop them. It was a sort of awkward, yeah. sort of kabuki theater. While it lit a fire under them to do the act, it also took a little bit of the agency away. And we lost the characters. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, and then we, I think in the edit room, came up with this. That's right. Tragic structure which is two people who love each other fighting to see who's going to jump off a cliff and kill themselves right and the you know the tension in the scene the billions of people stay dead you know the the pain that the audience feels because you know any second it could be either one of them mm -hmm. um 
and the, the sense, as you said, the sense of dread that you feel only gets heightened as they go back and forth. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm starting to think we mean different people here, Natasha. The last five years I've been trying to do one thing, get to right here. That's all it's been about, bringing everybody back. No, don't you get all decent on me now. What, you think I want to do it? I'm trying to save your life, you idiot. Yeah, well, I don't want you to. But she, she does sum it up here. This is what she's been working toward. This is the, the end point for her character and the, you know, the final resolution of her arc from, from corrupted agent all the way to entirely selfless. Heroic act is right. to bring back the community. They have no chance to, to bring back half the universe unless one of them goes over this cliff to, and the other gets the stone. Yeah, we, we wanted these folks to be fighting to be the hero, right? Mm -hmm. They are both heroic. Um, she's fighting to save her family, even though she, it'll cost her her life. I've seen, again, we should probably talk about how, you know, this is sort of the, the first major female character of the Marvel Universe. We did not, we did not make this decision lightly. She's not fighting to save Clint's family. I've seen some people say that, that, you know, he has a family and therefore, that's not it at all. She's Completely fighting to save assumption, yeah. her family. Yeah, um, and, and the billions who have died. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think it's incredibly heroic. Well, that's the thing. I mean, death is not always a bad thing. It can be ennobling right. and it can be spiritual and it can be, as you said, heroic. If you sacrifice yourself for billions would seem to be a powerful ending to right. your story. Mm -hmm. And for a character who has been trying to erase the red in That's her ledger, to use Joss's phrase, uh, this is the final erasure. That's the, that's what the arc for all these folks is, right? You know, that she went from guilty to erasing all this. From, I, I can't think of a better end point, no. right? No. And I understand it is it's sad for fans to lose sure. characters they love, sure. but you also have to look for the deeper meaning behind the loss. And, you know, again, as I say, you can find inspiration and in choices that they make. Again, these are heroes making heroic choices. Now, it means that she's not in the movie for the last hour, which is, of course, you know, regretful. Um, uh, but we, we certainly... This is kind of how it had to go. The end of Act Two is one of the is the worst thing that can happen, mm -hmm. and this is pretty much the worst thing that can happen. Uh, I guess it's tied with Tony towards the end. You know, but and one of, of the things that separates tonally the deaths in this movie from the non-snap mm -hmm. deaths in Infinity War is that they are almost all the hero's choice in this movie. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think they are entirely the hero's choice in this movie, whereas Loki's death, Heimdall's death, Gamora's death, Vision's death in Infinity War were all done to them by Murders. Thanos, which is a much greater tragedy. Here you have that sort of heroic, victorious sadness. Another great performance by Renner.
and they all return seconds after they departed. I love that. I love how happy Don Cheadle here is right before. Are you telling me this actually worked? And they're that? focused on the mission. The assumption yeah, isn't. And they had this ridiculous plan that it worked. Another one of my favorite shots is this overhead where uh, it's all conveyed through Hulk's body language. It's grief. Now, this is a unique circumstance for the Avengers. They, for the first time, have lost one of their own. Mm -hmm. And a necessary conversation, the given the that they have just brought back magic stones to bring back people. Why couldn't they bring back her? Right, that's that is some of the fine line of of the science fiction of it. We don't want people to dwell on the technicalities of stuff. We want to. Um, Embrace the emotion of the scene. Red Skull very clearly says it is an everlasting exchange. An everlasting would imply that it is can't be undone. Be undone, or that's at least what the red floating guy had to say. Maybe you want to go talk to him. Okay, go grab your hammer and you go find you talk to him. It's supposed to be me. Sacrifice her life for that goddamn. And as a director, being life on it. able to work with the cast, this incredible, it is such back. a gift. Uh, especially when characters are in their lowest moments. And you've seen these faces go through so much over 22 movies. Like it's all written right there. There's a nice after the tragedy and just a nice return to comedy here with Rockets Boom. But it's not immediate. Like it takes right. a good 60 seconds. It would have been weird if it was yeah. too fast. It takes Etri and, and you know, uh, a legendary forge to make the first glove. <laughs> right. And it takes just a little Tony Stein. Banner, right. Tony, and Rocket to make the second right. one. Question is, who's gonna Three of the uh, scientific uh, geniuses of the Marvel Universe. Here's Thor again searching for purpose. Oh, I'm sorry. We were all just sitting around waiting for the right. It should be me. We should at least discuss it. Look, look, sitting here staring at the thing is. And we take a scene to lay out the stakes of what can happen to you if you put that glove on. If you watch, if you're paying attention to the beginning of the movie, when you see Thanos, his arm is almost gone at that point. And he's used the stones twice. And, you know, he's, he's crippled. He has very little strength left. That's why he's so easily defeated in that scene in the cabin. And I wanna, before we destroy it, give a little, another credit to Charlie Wood and the lighting team. This Avengers compound, which appears to have natural sunlight filtering through everything is in 
the abandoned conference room of a of a semi-abandoned Sheraton out by the Atlanta airport. And it's it's a magnificent looking thing. Yeah. You'd never know. It's like uh, and it's a really great performance from Ruffalo there. I think that's ILM doing really excellent work with the emotional expressions of Smart Hulk. All right, so if you're paying attention, that hand should be destroyed. Mm -hmm. That would go. be yeah. your first clue. Let's do it. Do you remember, everyone Thanos um, snapped away just on a just bringing them back. Act construction level. We were faced with a strange problem where we we needed two snaps <laughs> of the gauntlet, uh, and. Uh, and asked ourselves often, what does it mean to bring everybody back? What is the best way to do that? And we certainly tried a version where everyone came back and you knew it immediately. And there they were. Maybe they all came back to the wherever you wished them to come back. Um, and then Thanos attacked them all at once. Uh, it's certainly, it, doing that prevented us from a really heroic reveal, which mm -hmm. is coming in about 20 minutes where the cavalry comes. Um, well, and also I think would counter to the logic that everyone would just return to the moment right. from which they disappeared. That's the thing. It's also, awesome. it made the fight feel like an afterthought because they had accomplished their goal. Now, even even if those people are brought back when Hulk snaps his fingers, you still have that lingering, lingering feeling that all is not resolved yet. Right. Well, we know how powerful Thanos is by his quick defeat of the Hulk in Infinity War. So this... This is an incredibly painful experience to put on the gauntlet that controls the universe. Uh, and it permanently damages, you know, um, the most powerful beings and some of the most powerful creatures in, in these movies. And very, very few people can actually put that on. Which means if a regular human puts it on, right. he's a goner. That's all the set, that's set up for the end of the movie. Also, which was set up right before he put the gauntlet on was Tony Stark saying, that everyone comes back to now. Do not erase right. what happened. I do not want to lose my child. Right. So you bring them back. They miss five years. That's the thing. I think some test audiences thought, oh, did we just go back five years? And no, it's, it, we, we, no, we, did we, not. we own those did five not years. Age five right. years, the people were gone. They just were brought back to the That's exact right. moment of which they went away, but five years later. So Peter Parker is still a high schooler. Uh, Ned, his buddy, still awesome. high schooler, out, yeah. you know, because both of them had disappeared. So really the clue that it worked is, you know, I suppose a few extra birds outside, but mostly because uh, Clint's wife uh, calls him on calls the phone. Yeah. Her cell service still active. It's, it's almost a ghost story in a way, you know, yeah. it's, it's a very haunting moment. Someone that you've lost for five years suddenly is calling you on the phone. And again, would, wouldn't work as well if you hadn't seen her in this movie two hours ago. Honey. Honey. Guys. Now this was, you know. I think it worked. A, this took, a, I think, a the most of thought of anything in the script, right? It was the moment at which Hulk snapped his fingers. You get back what you lost. You could argue that that is the end of the movie. You prepared mm -hmm. it clearly can't be the end of the film right. because the villain is onto the story. Right. 
So what could happen in that moment? And you know, this this took right. We certainly had a lot of a month or two to this. figure yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, how would his return? What what form would it take? How would it complicate? And That's I think right. the other thing that we are always mindful of is splitting characters up into smaller groups so that real moments yes, can happen between right. the characters. I remember this. Yeah. So, you know, I think we're all sitting around talking about, well, all right, he snaps his fingers and then what? Right. What if the compound exploded? What if they were put on their heels immediately? Uh, and the audience forgets that right. those characters are, are back. Oh, I, I think they do. I mean, I think a, a lot of audience members, because we, we're going to have... Mm. Uh, dire consequences here for a good 20 minutes before before Cap's all alone in that battlefield. And that explosion allowed us to break up the characters yep. again. Yep. Some people fell through the floor, some didn't. It means that the the MacGuffins are now in play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will also with the gauntlet. Or... I will remind you that there was another version I'm here. where I'm here. Thanos opened up a large portal on the battlefield where it became evident that in his own time frame he had come to earth <laughs> right and he walked up to them yes and tossed 2012 captain america's head on the floor <laughs> well we tried some things it yeah. seemed like it was never gonna make it but it was it was it was for a, a movie shocking that be- moment for yeah. a movie that began with essentially Thanos' head on the floor, it was a, a shocking reverse. But perhaps a bridge too far. We remember these guys. Outriders. So again, look at the construction of the scenes or you've established where the MacGuffin is, if, uh, you know, what would happen if Thanos found that? Oh, Thanos has just come to Earth. Well, he's heading towards those things. That's going to be a problem. Daughter. Yes, father. And here you have the the final confirmation of what has been going on with your various nebulas. I suspected nothing. His decision to wait is to pull the Avengers to him. Allowing Nebula. That's sort of the beginning of a philosophical Thanos that you know from the other movie. Where he he lays out a new plan, which Mm -hmm. is to wipe it all out instead of half. Now he's going to go for the full Megilla. Because memory, emotional memory, is the enemy of... Progress. Uh, yeah, his, it turns out uh, yeah, his philosophical mission. Humans and, and actually, I guess the rest of the universe won't accept his gift. Yeah. And the future. How rude. Yeah. What happens to you and me? Now remember, this was a Gamora who was ready to flee from Thanos. Several times. Yes, I don't. I I, I don't have much problem with her. Yeah. Turn of. Change of heart. You know, she's having a premonition about. Become sister which side of the line she should fall on here. This is all accelerating in a way that, it you know, it did not in right. in the original timeline. And she's now becoming the Gamora she was always meant to be much faster. It's just a small nod to, she, she knocked her hand away about an hour ago, mm. now she grabs it. Come on, buddy, wake up. That's my man. Coming up is another one of my favorite moments with the, the these three characters. Oh. 
lined up on a cliff overlooking Thanos. It's the it's the promise of what was never fulfilled in Infinity War because of Civil War. Yes. Right. Right. Now here these two are standing shoulder to shoulder, ready to face him together. And the and philosophical Thanos. And Thor's got two weapons. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And a braided beard. And a braided beard. And no weight loss, because I will point out, he's fixed. All I know is he doesn't have him. So we keep it that way. You know, it's a trap, right? Yeah, I don't much care. Good. Favorite moment right here. His eyes start to glow. He's back, but he hasn't changed. Exactly. It's just a confident version of who he became. He's worthy. And now the Old West showdown, right? Uh, Michelle finally gets to do a Sergio Leone stuff. Exactly. It's <laughs> their homage to Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. What did that bring you? Back to me. We looked at a sequence from uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, remember? Mm. The end. Fonda. Fonda, you know. And it's right before the final showdown, and you've shown me two of them sort of talk about the whole movie and what it means, th right. what, the, what the thematics right. of the as movie mean before they go out ones, and face each other. Very wide, those shots. Yeah, it's the railroad is coming, progress is coming to the Old West. Yep, They're both a dying breed, mm. different sides of the coin, mm -hmm. you know? Because now one is evil and one isn't. I know what I must do. And uh, they're going to go behind the, uh, the house and down to its last atom. fight it out. And metaphorically, I always like just the, the, the metaphor of that movie makes me tear up from the mm. moment where the score kicks one. in. Right. And it's sort of, you know, growing up film nerds, these are the moments that we try to capture and give to other people. A grateful universe. Born out of blood, they'll never know it. Because you won't be alive to tell them. I remember when this might seem like a big battle in a movie. Three superheroes <laughs> beating up one big super guy. Sounds like the climax. And there's a moment inspired by uh, those the comics. Yeah, oh. he holds up a mountain. Yeah. And this is going to be a, a twist that plays out later is that Ant-Man will convert in himself into Giant-Man right. in order to save those characters who are drowning. Coming up on another conclusion of an arc, in a way, where Nebula gets to face her old self. And sadly, can't convince herself to, to come around. And Clint, it, what's interesting too, and we haven't talked about this before, is that Clint obviously assumes the identity of Ronan as a way to distance himself from what he is doing. What? Mm -hmm. When he is going around the world, you know. Meaning he could not punishing. do that as Hawkeye? Yes. Yeah. 
right? He, he assumes a new identity. And I, I would argue that as the movie progresses, that those two identities start to merge. And he's a, you don't have to. he's Ronan and Hawkeye. He's, you know, he's got, I, I suppose got the bow. he's Ronan in that he just slashed yeah. those Outriders in half mm. there. Yeah, and, and he's got, got the bow and the sword. Yeah, now. fair enough. So each of these characters have grown and they've gone, whatever journey they went on over the course of those four years has remained with them. Right, mm -hmm. right. I, I am interested in Clint Barton going forward, you know, given what he's done in the last five it's years. overly complicated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that said, what we probably ought to be addressing here is, is uh, one woman not being, not seeing her future or not accepting what she could be. Mm -hmm. Well, which is a, something really fun that you can play with with time travel is that, you know, the two versions of herself, when you make different choices, uh, you right. can, you know, you can go back in your life and say, so many moments had I made a different choice. Right. Yeah. Oh, and again, remember, they're the only, those daughters. only make those due to experience, and if you haven't had the experience, the experience. That's, those are just daughters that have been abused by yeah. Thanos. She can't see, you know, any sort Past of... Past him, yes. Yeah. It's, um, Stockholm Syndrome. That's right. And here we are setting up. The world's greatest Another, moment in yeah. cinema. <laughs> Another favorite moment. This was fantastic. We were in the uh, Village Theater on that Thursday night on opening night. This was, and people were jumping out of their seats. And that, as a filmmaker, that, I mean, there's no prouder moment good. where you're, yeah. you're seeing an audience react uh, so viscerally to, uh, to a story. And there's just so much in this movie of what you've always wanted. And, you know, people can call that fan service, but there are so many fans of these movies, it's impossible to say that that's a, a minority. And well, it, it's storytelling. I mean, these, were, these are moments that have been set up throughout that's right. 20, yeah, that's right. 21 films. They're being paid off. And it's just a primal satisfaction. I would argue that fan service does not have set up. All of this stuff. Oh right, sure. I get you. No, if, yeah. it's, if, if it's if it's the if it's on the arc of a character, yeah, you're it's, just, it, <laughs> you're honoring what has come before. That's right. Um, I mean, maybe you call it fan service if you don't understand that point. Yeah, if you haven't been paying attention, yeah, you don't have exactly. like a sensitivity this is just to the natural conclusion, to the storytelling in all the films. That's right. Sure. That's right. Now. He really knows how to use this thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a hammer. How hard can it be? Oh, he's, he's driven the shield. He's driven off the odd of nail before. Well, we learn. We learn in Civil War that Cap is not one of the most expert fighters. That's true. Right. When uh, Friday tells Tony that he can't beat Cap hand to hand, now we get to see what Cap, a powered-up Cap, looks like against Thanos, and he almost takes him. You can also see that while vibranium is the strongest substance on Earth, whatever Thanos' uh, straight razor there is made out of is strong. Well, Thanos clearly knew of E-Tree. Mm. That's, that's true cool. enough. That's true. He had to make him a helicopter blade. And now my ears we approach broke. the possibly the my biggest arms. moment of satisfaction in the entire movie. Slaughter brings back a line originally from the very first I'll scene of Winter now. Soldier. And paying off. I'm about to do to your stubborn the 
What I love about this scene is it is so reflective of what you can do with serialized storytelling in the way that Marvel is using it. The grand experiment of serialized storytelling, this mosaic. And these movies coming out over certain periods of time that are, that are not so far apart that you've lost an emotional connection to what happened right. previously. Right. Uh, and you know, people, fans of the movie, um, being in anguish for a year is what allows this moment to have such an impact when it happens. There are no, no plot turns without emotion. Two years might have dissipated it, six months might have not been enough. And so I think that it just temporally, the spacing of these films uh, are a huge part of how the narrative affects you. And that's what I think, why this is an experiment, why it's so interesting. Uh, on a storytelling level. That should be yeah. my screensaver. But. Mm. And there's also just something wonderful that, you know, Cap has always been willing to go it alone. Cap is Sam, you hear me? And to find out he doesn't have to right. is kind of wonderful. The moment of tension who's going to be the first to walk That's through that right. portal also the you know if you don't know the visual language of the mcu yeah. maybe you don't know that will understand that that's a doctor strange you know portal mm -hmm. but who else would you want to have your back in this moment other than t'challa and wakanda and then sam and that just that nod i've got you and this always meant to be a super powerful scene didn't really come together until Alan Silvestri's oh yeah this, this piece of music is incredible and I think it could be one of the greatest pieces of music that Alan's ever composed I think his score in this film is beyond exceptional right. I would argue it should be considered yeah. for things I would I would argue the same as I don't believe that Alan has ever won an Oscar which is somewhat ridiculous criminal When score can achieve a level of storytelling, it is transcendent. He is helping us tell the story here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. And he's connecting so many different things all at once. It's staggering what he's doing. It's really only someone of Alan's skill could have pulled this off. And there, I would argue, maybe one other composer, so very few. film composer on the planet as well, of Alan's skill level. So this is, was always intended to be what it is, which was an incredibly rousing moment where the reinforcements arrive to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And you finally get to hear. That's right. 22 films. Assemble. Was it your idea to go under with that or Evans? Uh, it was ours. I felt yeah. like it would be more interesting. It is more interesting. You know, I, I, unfortunately, him catching the hammer created a lot of, for a second time, created a lot of energy in the theater, and I don't mm -hmm. know that people that oh, people first weekend hear actually yeah. heard it. That's fair enough. Uh, but this they is will. why you can go back and see it again. Yeah. Exactly. Is that uh, 
a lot of information in the movie, and uh, you can discover yeah, a little more. Yeah, it's overwhelming when you first watch it. It's yeah. sort of, it's part of the reason it's getting a lot of repeat business. But again, it's one of the joys of, you know, well, this is the kind of thing we've referred to in the past as the splash panel from the comics, mm. and those mm. things you can't take in all at once. That's you right. have to yeah. sit with it for a little while and find your characters. Another reason it's getting a lot of repeat business is Tony and Pepper. Scott Lang punching a Leviathan in the face. Right, give me that. You have the little one. Uh, a call back to Infinity War between Cap and Thor on the battlefield. Right. That relationship the two of them have. And another another signal that Thor is on the road to repair is that he is not threatened. That's right. Mm -hmm. By Cap's worthiness. That's right. And the look on Tony's face here is he. Yeah. Yeah. This gets a big moment. Big cheer. Back. Well, there's so much going on here, right? He won't. Uh, he gets back the kid that he lost. Uh, he never hugged that kid before. That was actually a great joke in the beginning of Spider-Man, where he's only Robert Downey. Yeah. Again, this was a section called uh, Team Ups and Reunions, and we certainly could do this all day. All sorts of people deserve the chance to hug and, you know, and rediscover, rediscover each, each other, yeah. or just new team ups of characters from different franchises, but there were only not a lot of time for it all, uh, so we concentrated on the ones that were most important to yeah. story. Or just so purely delightful that you couldn't possibly not have them, such as. A Gamora who does, you know, has no interest in Peter Quill. No, no memory of any interest in Peter Quill. You missed the first time. Then you got them both the second time. This is the one? Seriously? Your choices were him or a tree. And now we're back on A plot. You know, the uh, stones reappear on the field. What are we going to do with them? Thanos wants them. Where do they go? Really not to digress. Mm. But I was just thinking it would be interesting if she chose the tree in Guardians 3. Well, you sure. know what? We've given, we've given James a lot to work with. Yeah. <laughs> so Hulk reminds us there that these stones have got to go back to the past. Right? How are we going to get them back to the past? Oh, yeah. We've got a van with the time machine. Yeah. Anyone see an ugly brown van out there? Scott, how long you need to get that thing working? And this is just the gentlest reunion for these yeah, two characters. Yeah, so they, they don't get much, even though he's a driving force in in the story. Well, we, and again, you know, if there's another Ant-Man movie, yeah. there's, some, there's some stuff to play there. Now we have to remind you of, mm -hmm. you know, that, the, that this seemed to be something that was completely premeditated. There's a plan here in play from Doctor Strange that started in Infinity War. And it was a very risky plan that involved uh, the uh, the death of uh, half the universe. It's dead. Temporary. What? It's dead. I have to hotwire it. Where's Nebula? She's not if you remember, in Civil War, and introduces himself. Right. This is and very subtle, but yes. T'Challa says, I don't care. And now he says, Clint. Yeah, that's true. Give it to me. 
So this is the section we, we refer to as the flea flicker, which is a chance for uh, several characters to carry the load of the gauntlet, trying to get it towards the van, and to be assisted along the way by other characters. It was sort of a, a unifying idea to get a lot of teamwork. And in the early drafts uh, and, and concept art, you know, the Everybody changed hands and your mother. <laughs> Everybody got to, got to touch it. And now it sort of got down to a, a, a meaningful four with various side events like this, where Scarlet Witch gets to. It's her revenge. Get yeah. her revenge, yeah. She's really the biggest threat to Thanos on this field. She is uh, she's a very powerful character. And he has to, in a way, cheat and sacrifice his own armies just to escape her. Instant kill. You know, Wanda's powers have a lot to do with her internal life. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a growth to the powers based on the growth of her internal life and her ability to harness them. And the emotion and pain caused by Vision's death has accelerated that growth of power. And now here Thanos is destroying everyone on the battlefield, including his own army, just right. to escape. These action set pieces are all about sort of action and reaction and uh, logical choices by characters. Uh, it's, it takes a long time to make sure that they that they seem seamless, but it's boy, it's a lot of work by a lot of people. Yeah, gradually making order out of chaos. The uh, you know this, the intention of the sequence is to put them uh, 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 against the ropes. Yeah, and make you believe that they that they're done for yeah. unless something dramatic were to happen and uh, it's a technique that we have used before it's the traumatic entrance or return of a of a hero who can change the course of the battle right uh, in infinity war it was thor in wakanda and here it is none other than captain marvel We did this through Rockets POV because, you know, two of them have a little bit of a history oh, that involves yes, a, you know, a haircut insult. He knows, he knows a little ahead of time who this yeah. is going to be. Mm -hmm. Roger, what are they firing at? Something just entered the upper atmosphere. And we know that she has the ability to fly through ships to destroy them. We so saw it in the climax of her own movie, yeah. very sad for Thanos because that's not just his ship that's you his home sank my bed poor guy all his stuff was on there and again we have to I have to really give kudos to our VFX team who yeah, did 6,000 shots between Infinity War and Endgame 6,000 with groundbreaking VFX I mean just stunning work 
And at no point do you go like. You got something for me? You're never taken out. You never. You never go. This isn't real. No, it's the this entire right. thing is real. And this was just a chance to, She's got help. you know, show off another amazing aspect of, of the Marvel roster. And there are just so many great female characters that we just wanted to have the fun of putting them all together for once. And it's, you know, much like Cap catching the hammer, it's one of those moments that just sort of gets you viscerally. Now we're teasing the showdown that many people are anticipating. Marvel versus Thanos. He makes a desperate move, destroys the time machine. Now, what right. recourse do the heroes have? Yes, this was always the idea that it was going to be a scrum for the gauntlet at the end. Because we knew where we wanted to get with Tony, and we knew there could not be another option left on the field right. in order to get there. And if he gets this, remember, it's the, the end of the universe as we know it. Right. It's going to start over. I love this moment where Cap and Thor are teaming up to try to pull that axe into Thanos' throat. Oh, savage. And then, here she comes. I mean, that's part of who Thanos is. He, he, he is this sort of gladiator fighter. He's, he's a savage who's gone through the universe murdering the hero, the best heroes of every planet for a thousand years. And then he runs into Captain Marvel. I think you get to see a little bit of his true colors in this act. He cheats twice. Right. Turns the guns on his own troops. And he, uh, in a moment... Sort of grows more yeah. noble. And he's more noble than... Infinity War. As a mm -hmm. philosopher, yes. yes. But here we have Tony realizing what needs to happen. So the the setup from the end of Infinity War where he couldn't understand what the hell Strange was doing. Tony, and, it was the only way. And blame Strange for giving away the universe. It now, he now understands it all. Yeah. That it was always meant to be him. Inevitable. And nanotech. Right, that's right. If it's unclear how he got him, it's uh, two similar gloves talking to each other in this nano-techie way. And his suit is keeping him alive here. Wow, as the power is coursing through him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a lot of time. But when he snaps those fingers... It's too much. That was a late addition and the last shot of the entire film huh. in reshoots. I am Iron Man. It's the very last shot uh, that we did in January of 19, 19 yeah. on a soundstage at Raleigh Studios 
mm-hmm. adjacent to the soundstage where Robert Downey it was, originally it tested. Is, it's right. It was Raleigh Studios where he tested. Or Iron Man. That's right. Twelve years before. So talk about uh, yeah. symmetry and things coming full circle. So it was a very emotional moment for Robert and for all of us. Mm-hmm. Now, what we wanted to do here was draw out your expectation about whether or not Thanos was actually going to go. And this this is a replication of his moment from the end of the last film. Mm-hmm. You mean sitting on his porch? Sitting. Exactly. Yes. He walks over to a stone and sits and has a very different reaction. Right. To defeat. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Again, we draw it out considerably. Now, you've forgotten Tony until this moment. Right. This probably took the most conversation and thought was what he would look like Mm -hmm. in this moment. It's got to be a by degrees, though, right? You knew that he was going to look pretty messed up. That it, was for help sure. The story. And it was really, I mean, but look, his, I mean, his face is half destroyed. I mean, this is a, it makes it exceedingly tragic death, you know. Um, and too, if it's too far, you can't look at it. If, yes, if too far, you can't look at it. If it's not enough, then you don't feel you it. You don't know he, why he's dying. Right? You yeah. should feel it right. before Peter Parker feels That's it. That's right. So that you're having the same reaction he's having when you're looking at Tony, you go, I don't think he's coming back from right. this. Yeah. Right. And certainly we scripted a lot of right. emotion and emoting and dialogue for him, saying goodbye and people saying goodbye to him. But Robert was pretty adamant about um, the guy who had had an answer for everything, you know, yeah. is done. Well, he's incapacitated. It's just truthful. And again, here's Gwyneth. Phenomenal performance, restraint. Opposite her husband who's dying and trying to give him peace in his dying moment Mm -hmm. by showing strength and telling him that they're going to be okay and giving him permission to rest, which is the thing that he could never do. And she doesn't display any emotion until he's gone and he can't see it. It's a it's a fantastic performance. Yeah. And I'll admit, I think the first time that we cut this together, I think everybody in the edit room cried. <laughs> it is. I can't think of another moment like it, where a character that beloved has such a, you know. Complicated ending. But also just an honest on-screen death. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a real human death. It plays out like a war film. You know, it's, there's no punches pulled in it. And again, that's the, the line we were walking with. The, the damage done to him was, you know, how do you feel, you know, watching that, Mm -hmm. it should be painful.
This kid's got a future in pictures, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. Once again, the kids you saw dusted at the very beginning of the movie now returned. Yeah. And as you'll discover in Far From Home, Ned uh, has just come back. Peter just come back, and they're they're back at school where they're gonna find that quite a few of their classmates. Have well, back at school where everyone's a stranger. Down. And here you begin to hear Tony Stark deliver his own eulogy, which is something we we always wanted from the first draft yeah. of how do we. How do we bring back the spirit and the the lightheartedness that Tony always brought to these movies while not betraying the fact that he is in fact gone? Get it back and something like a restored. Tony Stark, a man of that substantial ego, despite the fact that he just sacrificed himself to save the universe, we'd find a way to deliver his own eulogy. Clearly he uh you know, the technologist and the futurist um, knows enough that before he goes on a time travel mission, perhaps he ought to mm -hmm. leave a message to his uh, his wife and daughter in case that the, the slim odds did not lean in their favor. On my part, I mean, not that death at any time is an untimely. This time travel thing that we're going to try and pull off tomorrow, it's, it's, it's got me scratching my head about the survivability of I think also this is another late edition. We only came up with the idea for the I Love You 3000 at the end of the movie mm. in post. Well, you can see so it. So this is an ADR line, yeah. which is why it is delivered off camera, because we never would have made that choice had we shot it. And now possibly the most complicated Logistical. Scheduling <laughs> shot right. in the history of cinema. Yeah, this is. Uh, I've seen. You know, you could uh, you could be forgiven for thinking that this big funeral shot is uh, stitched together, um, but it is. These are. This is all one take. And you probably. How many? You shoot five, six takes. I think we rehearsed it for the entire day before we shot That's it with stand-ins, and so we were really prepared when we got all of them out there because right. you know we wanted to do this in the correct light. Right. And uh, yeah, we got five or six takes in, I think. Um, and uh, you know, if you look at everyone's reaction, it really signals who they are as a character and how they felt mm -hmm. about Tony. Mm -hmm. uh, I love how stoic uh, Benedict is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's he's he knew that Stark had to be sacrificed. You know, what other reaction could he possibly have? Right. Oh, I think you go, you go back to Infinity War when yeah. he says, when he tells, when, he, when Tony asks, how many do we win? Yeah. And he says, one, that's a pregnant yeah. beat. He knows exactly what's happening in that moment. This is also in, you know, all my memory of comic books, all funerals. You know, you always saw the, when a major character died, all the other heroes yeah. collected at their graveside. And um, and this is really an homage to to that concept. And why we wanted to do it in a wonder was for that reason. You're sort of, you know, the camera is winding you through the history yep. of the Marvel universe through each franchise, 
uh, um, all the way back to the man who it's a bit of a flex <laughs> uh, started yeah. started the Avengers mm -hmm. Nick Fury and two characters who've lost people very close to them Now, people have asked why Natasha didn't get the same amount of screen time post-death as uh, Tony did. Well, Tony does not have another movie. True. Tony is done. Uh, and Natasha has another film. The Marvel Universe obviously does not have to move forward linearly anymore, but that character still has more screen time coming how you doing squirt and you good given the number of movies he's directed you forget john favreau is a pretty want? great actor and the man who started it all yeah, that's right you know standing on the shoulders of giants that's right it's what another unique aspect of the narrative experiment it's marvel universe is it's bunch of artists working together in concert and handing the baton off from one to the next and everyone bringing their own spin to it and their own thoughts and emotions to it and you know the poetry of having John sitting there with mm. Tony's daughter is is really special so just just as a filmmaker you know it feels like a, a thank uh, you from us a love letter from us to John <laughs> People need a king. No, they Here won't. we have Thor resolving <laughs> his <scary>. last issue. <laughs> it's an epic movie. It's a lot going on. So you're gonna you're gonna have a few different endings. And the way that we, you know, the tone shifts uh, you know, forty minutes into the movie. I'm supposed to be from um, sadness to humor. We're once again shifting you out of the sadness around yeah, Tony's death changing. and back into these characters and the fun of their relationships. Mm -hmm. So I love how clear-eyed Thor here is. What will you do? He's still, you know, still a little sloppy, but the first time the he's got the, uh, got the eyes of a hero again. I do have a ride, though. Move it or lose it, Airbag. And then this, which right. is just pure joy. No, it's the... It's hard to predict chemistry, really. Now, notice he was searching for Gamora. He does not know right. where she is. She's certainly a, a thread that's still out there. Yeah. And the audience does not know where she is. Oh, we're too fast. It's an intentionally vague ending for the character. I'm in charge. I know. I know. Of course you are. I could certainly watch an entire movie or two with all of these guys. So you say, of course, but then you touch the map. It makes you think that maybe you didn't realize I was in charge. Hey, Quail, you, that, that's your own security's in there, okay? I'm merely trying to be of service and assisting. Quill, that's what I said. We should fight one another. Hey, think back to Thor, the original mm -hmm. film. Yeah, he's come a long way. He, yeah. The character's come a long way. And Hemsworth has come a long way. And he's made very brave choices along the way. Like some of the bravest choices of anyone. Yeah. Well, I think the the trilogy of Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame uh, mark a real turning point for him as an actor and for Thor as a character. Um, and 
and Hemsworth, that son of a bitch, won the genetic lottery. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, yeah. he is also hilarious. Yes. And a, a really sublime comedian. And remember, you have to return the stones to the exact moment you got them. You're going to open up a bunch of nasty alternative realities. Don't worry, Bruce. Crip all the branches. Stones have to be returned. Yeah, I tried. And Steve's the man to do it. The responsible one couldn't possibly have an ulterior motive. And we once again reinforce that, you know, that it was an everlasting exchange. The rules cannot be broken. Even the stones cannot return someone who has sacrificed themselves for the soul stone. You're a good man, Sam. Clearly, Bucky knows something here, right? Yeah, I think it's clear from Sebastian's performance here that that he's been clued in. That Bucky's been clued in as Steve's oh, decision. He, why would he say, I, I'm going to miss you if it's going to be five seconds? Mm-hmm. He knows. Now, we don't know the extent to which, uh, what Steve told him, but clearly he told him something. Yeah, and I don't think he said, I'll, I'll, it's be okay, Buck. I'll, I'll go be sit back. on the bench over there. Yeah. yeah, I think he's certainly surprised to see that. How long is this going to take? For him, as long as he needs. For us, five seconds. One of the joys of... The last uh, 11 years is just seeing Cap so effortlessly pick up that hammer again and again. <laughs> you bet. Going quantum. Three, two, one. And returning in five, four, three. Two, and I have to say, when, when this got figured out, it never changed. And this was if pretty it, early. This was one of yeah. the first things that, you know, I think. Yeah. And, and right, it never changed. But right both Tony and Cap's endings were very clear yeah. throughout the entire process. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot tell a story between two films unless you understand the ending of the That's second right. film. So yeah. we, we we drove, we put stakes in the ground and drove at him. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't write the last chapter of a book with twenty-one preceding chapters without knowing right. what the you know the final thirty right. pages are going to be. And I'm, I find it hard to believe, you know, and that's what makes Marvel so special is that we, we were given the opportunity to take this character all the way from start to finish over the course of however many movies to bring him all the way back around, back to Peggy again, back to the 40s again. The other thing is, you know, what has to be applauded is... Taking a commercial property as a lucrative commercial property and committing to finality and an ending. Right. Because nothing has value unless it has an ending. Maybe I'll try some of that life Mm -hmm. Tony was telling me to get. How'd that work out for you? It's beautiful. I'm happy for you. Truly. Thank you. Only thing bumming me out is the fact I have to live in a world without Captain America. Oh. And now, you know, a choice that for some in the outside world was up for debate, I don't think it ever really was. No. I mean, Sam represents 
everything Captain America is supposed to represent, which is the idea of what this country could be. Uh, and Bucky, I've said before, you know, in a way, he represents what this country actually is, which is, you know, a kind of murky political situation, as, as evidenced in Winter Soldier. And, uh, but Captain America's always represented the idea behind the country. And Sam's much closer to that. Well, it's, a, it's a rich story going forward if Marvel chooses to explore it. You know, what does it mean for this man with his own identity as a, you know, his own, as a, as Falcon, as his own hero identity to take on another one? What does it mean for an African-American man to take on the mantle of Captain America? You know, how does he feel about that? Is he honored? Is he, does he uh, chafe against it? You know, there's a lot of rich stuff to explore there. And it's the first time that, you know, an, an, an identity is being passed from one character to another. Yeah. And you're right. Like, how does that, how, what is the new identity that he creates with That's that? That's right. How do others see it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think I will. And now just the, just the loveliest shot in cinema. <laughs> yeah. I think it should be noted. It's you know, kind of sometimes hard to notice. Like the door is open here. I, I, this, this is very shortly Yeah, this after is the moment reunion. he, yes. I, I imagine that. And about 10 minutes ago, he knocked on the door. She, you know, dropped whatever she was holding. <laughs> and it led to this. Again, it's interesting to talk about Cap's arc, too, just going from service to self-actualization. Yeah. Right? And then Tony going from selfish to selfless. Yes. Right? They're traveling incredible distances, these characters, over these movies. And in a way, inverted, right, arcs. They're That's passing right. one another. They sort of passing the night there, you know, but it's Tony who gives him this gift. It is Tony who tells him right. that he needs to get get a life. Right. You know, yeah. uh, and, oh, well, uh, well, and and Tony dying gives him this gift as well. Gives him the gift as well. Yeah. Tony yeah. repairing the universe and sealing the fate of Thanos is what allows Steve to make that choice mm -hmm. and pass the mantle on to someone else yeah. who has that hope and belief. Right, right as you were saying about. Sam is that, you know, Cap went on that journey and that journey had disillusionment and it led to him becoming an insurgent hmm. and then finding his way back again. That's right. To help complete the, you know, the original mission of these, you know, of the Infinity Saga. To complete it, like it's got to be okay for the soldier to put down his yeah. shield. And, and move on yeah. from I the mean, war. You, you, that's why you fight so that you can end the fight. Yeah, <laughs> he is a... He is a World War II soldier who has finally come home. That's right. It took no, a it long really, time, but he got there. It's. I think it can it can be seen as poignant. And these credits are an incredible celebration of all of the amazing people mm. behind movies of this scale. They're truly a collaboration uh, between hundreds of people, all doing very very difficult work behind the scenes uh, and this these films are not possible without uh, without them and what's amazing is when you get to the crew credits how long it goes on for yeah, I mean, yeah. it's thousands of names that, that are you know, thousands of people that, that, that spending hours and hours Years. 
And there were people there in Atlanta and just living these two movies for at least two years. Mm -hmm. Now coming Every up, this day. is an idea from Kevin, mm. which is a curtain call for the original Avengers and something that was very important to him and I think very emotional for him. Yeah. Inspired by, uh, I forget Star which Star Trek. Trek it is. Yeah, I think it's Star Trek. Is whatever three? the last one is with the original cast. But it's a, you know, it's, you're in a, a Broadway theater. It's. Yes, it's a, it's, it's a curtain call. It's the cast coming out to take their bows. So uh, unique about this film is that it, it's the end game for the four of us. Mm. Right. We right. went on a seven year journey together, you know, culminating in, uh, in two very, very difficult movies back to back. This again, being in that theater on a Thursday night, on opening night, uh, got applause yeah. and when it got to Robert it got a standing ovation <laughs> yeah I guess it did that's right as if they were really in the room yeah that's right what I remember as a kid going to Star Wars and, and Empire and Return of the Jedi or Indiana Jones Close Encounters the feeling that they left me with when I walked out of that theater and the impatience and the wait in between every Star Wars yeah. movie uh, that's movie making. That's what cinema is. That's what, you know, this modern version of, um, of cave paintings, you know, um, we're passing stories and emotions to each other. And, and, uh, and I think we're, we're all exceedingly proud of them part of, of this story. Mm -hmm. 